I'm Eamon. I'm Merlin. And we're a gay. And his envy. Episode number 58. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of A Gay and His Envy. This episode where we are talking all things Bravo TV. Uh, before we get into all the stuff we have to say, because it is a big week here for Bravo TV. Um, before we do that, we have some housekeeping to get out of the way first. Uh, be sure wherever you're listening to us, whether that be on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, please leave a rating and a review. It is so, so, so helpful whenever you do that. Um, it helps us get into the algorithm, helps us get seen by more and more people. It's just really nice whenever we get that. Um, so if you can take the time just to pause at this moment, go leave that rating or review. We, and we, we like to hear from you. We Give us your thoughts, good or bad. Like, like not too bad, obviously. Like, don't be mean. Uh, <laughs> like, you could just keep the bad ones to yourself, really. Sure, like, but... Like, email us the bad ones. There we go. Email us at againisenv at gmail.com with your badder reviews and uh questions that you might want to uh ask to answer on a future episode of the podcast you can send it to us there you can also send those questions to us across our social media on twitter facebook instagram and tiktok and threads all at again and his envy uh we're posting new clips from the podcast we're posting our instant thoughts on the things that we're watching over there so be sure to uh follow us across there at again and his envy and also you can get merchandise from us over at again com. we have multiple different designs that you can get on multiple different items including t-shirts and mugs and stickers and everything in between um we would really love if you could rep us uh, any way that you can and you can get that over at again is mb dot threadless.com and we've got you know uh threadless has the new um jacket designs on there you know we're heading into winter the burr months you know and um you know we've got lovely designs on there that you can get on jackets you can get on hoodies you can get on blankets uh lots of uh cozy uh things over there you can get to rep your favorite podcast that's us us we're your yes. favorite podcast. Once again, again, is mb.threadless.com. Um, babe, what are we getting into this week on this Bravo episode? Well, speaking of Burr, we're going to be talking about uh, Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. Uh, you know, because it's snowy up there, it's, you know? Because it's cold. Because it's cold. Um, and that's what you do when it's cold. You go Burr. Um, apparently, also, there's that... Uh, t- speaking of cold, there's the cold shoulder that... Uh, Monica is now giving her mother after that Easter lunch at uh, Angie's. Oh, boy. I cannot wait to talk about that scene. It is a lot. Um, We're also going to be talking about Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. We've got Portia's birthday with uh, surprise revelations there to family members that should not have been made. Um, We'll get into it. Uh, We're also going to be talking about Real Housewives of Miami. We have the premiere of season six, right? Yes. Our girls are back. I'm so happy. Uh, Also, can we, I mean, I just, Beverly Hills is one thing, but I think we've gotten used to their level of wealth. Miami stepped it up. Fuck. Like, holy fuck, they stepped it up on the level of wealth. This yacht <laughs> that they're on in the opening scenes with uh, uh, Larsa and um, Lisa. Lisa, like, holy shit, this was a gorgeous fucking yacht. And then Nicole's house that her and holy, we'll get to it. Ugh. But before we get to any of that, we need to talk. About the second part. The final part. The final part of the Roni reunion for the season 14. 
yeah, season fourteen, uh, final part of the reunion for Roni, the new Roni. Um, I, I, I thought here's the thing. well, I'll get into some of the issues I had with sort of like the dynamics of the people. I, I will say, like I said last week, I actually liked the season of Roni. I thought it was good. It's, it's. I think it's what the franchise needed, especially. I mean, with what we won't get into it, but like. We know. I mean, now, maybe we should. We know now more why it needs to be rebooted, um, and, and I I get it. Yeah. Um, we won't. Go, we're not going to. I don't want to dive into that Fanny Fair article that much because I would say two thirds of it I don't really care about. I care about Ebony stuff that she posted. Yeah. It should have been an article just about Ebony stuff. Yeah. And because honestly, attaching I know um, Bethany and Leah to it really just discredited it almost. Yeah. Like. The stuff that Ebony dealt with with Ramona, like, was actual bullshit and actually should have been, you know, dealt with differently by Bravo. Yeah. But the rest of that was and – it, and it cut the legs out of the stuff that Ebony went through, I felt, including it in with Leah and Bethany's bullshit. Yeah. I felt like, really, it just – undercut it and like cut the validity of it which is bullshit it should like be actively looked at and actively like and ramona, considered as a real thing and, and ramona is I, I i was gonna say more than likely no i'll just say it. ramona's a racist and yeah. she probably shouldn't have been brought back for the ultimate girls trip she shouldn't and, have yeah and like and like in the but like ebony says in the article in the words of ebony k williams fuck bethany frankel like i don't can we also take a second to um, talk about how these reality TV shows need to stop, like, acting like their shit doesn't stink? Because if we don't get Roni Legacy because of this... I'm going to be mad, actually. I'm going to be mad as fuck. Not because I think Ramona should be paid. I don't. Or platformed again. I don't. But they've already filmed it. And they've already skipped the last season of Ultimate Girls Trip. I don't think we're ever going to get it, which is also bullshit. I think we should get to see that. I think, look, if, number one, Bravo fucked up by rewarding, um, uh, what's her fucking name? Oh, God. Beverly Hills. Uh, Brandy? Brandy. They rewarded her by immediately bringing her back on Ultimate Girls Trip after the bullshit from Blue, uh, Bluestone Manor. Sure. So, like, they they know what kind of content they're getting from her. And then they brought her back. Yeah. Like, you're rewarding that behavior. You think she's not going to do it again and step it up more? Stop. Why are we doing this? Um, so, yeah. Like, but also, why are you punishing your viewers? Yeah. Because that doesn't take anything. Like, Caroline doesn't get unassaulted because you don't air it. Yeah. Well, and also, don't you don't have to air the assault. Right. You don't have to air that part. Give us a black screen with white words. This is what happened. And then move fuck on. And then move the fuck on. Like, we don't need to see it, but Brandy deserves to be, if that is what happened, she deserves to be have, have that all aired out. Yeah. Because she's over here acting like it didn't happen. So put it on our screens. Show us that this shit happened. Yeah. Um, number one, I mean, and Drag Race has done the same shit. Like, we've now had, like, this season of UK Drag Race, they, they've completely edited out this queen that you can barely even see in the background of shit. I don't it's know. It's just pointless to me. It's like, you're, you're, you're putting all this extra work into something where it's just like, we, if you tell us what it is, what the situation is, then just, then we'll be forgiving. I don't, we understand that shit gets filmed ahead of time and then you find shit out. 
We understand that the background check, like stuff slips through background checks. We get it. It fucking happens. Like, like just like, I don't like the world is messy. And I'm not, and that's not, and that's not me saying like condoning people's actions by any means, right. especially when they're criminal or whatever, right. like, especially like with the Sherry pie situation. But like, we didn't need to have her edited out partially out of that season either. Yeah. We needed to see how she was performing and be able to line her up against. So that way, when she was still around for so many weeks, when we're not seeing her, there's a reason. We understand that this was filmed beforehand. All you yeah. needed was the disclaimer, and we get it. Right. We understand that that shit came out afterwards. But also, like, do a better job vetting your queens. Do a better better job vetting, you know, your housewives. Whatever show you're getting people on, realize that these are people that have skeletons in their closet. Or as, um, who was it that said that has brooms in their closet uh, this week on one of the shows? Oh, who the fuck was that? Um, oh, that was Bryn. That was Bryn on the... Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, everybody has a broom in their closet. Yeah. You know, as a witch, I took offense to that. But, you know, whatever. Sure. Um, but, but no, I, you know, I know like, do some research into these people. Like, maybe don't cast Lizzie <laughs> before you have to then fire her before filming. You yeah. know, you know, but, like, I, I don't know. Like, don't try to edit it out like it never happened. That don't, it, like... Especially on a show like this. Don't completely can it. Or, like, can Ultimate Girls Trip just because y'all fucked up in sending someone out there that shouldn't have been there. Right. Like, that's not okay, and it's a disservice to the people who have supported you through all of these years. Yeah. Like, put it out there and put these women on blast. If they're toxic, show us they're toxic. Yeah, it's good to know. <laughs> yeah. Like, because it's good to have proof that Brandy did that. It's good to have proof that Ramona is a racist instead of just hearing all this stuff in the tabloids. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, so let, let's get off that tangent. That's just my, t- yeah. my, my two cents on the editing out of problematic people. If you hire them, put them on our screens, show us their bullshit, and then don't hire them again. Speaking of problematic people, Aaron and Cy. Um, <laughs> uh, so we come back as Jess was confronting them about implying that Papa was cheating. They keep denying it and denying it. It's, it's really so stupid. Yeah. Um, Andy asked Jessel if, if, you know, did you, in the conversations where you brought up, like, not having sex with Pavit, did you mention your postpartum? And she's like, yes, I mentioned it. Everyone in the arrest was like, no, not really. And they cut to the clips. and Where they, she absolutely did. She never said the words postpartum. But when she mentions, I'm really sensitive about, like, my C-section scar. And, you know, we were on schedules, blah, 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 blah. To me, like, I might not, that like, yes, postpartum is a specific diagnosis. But like, well, but the word postpartum just means after giving birth, right? Like postpartum depression is something separate, but like she's talking about all the issues, postpartum body issues, like, like issues about having like 10 million people touching your bits and not she necessarily gave, wanting anybody she gave touching you your enough bits. information to where you knew it was a sensitive topic. Right. I don't understand this. Like. But Aaron goes, not to your level in the confessionals. When I watched it, I was like, holy shit, I didn't know you were going through all of that. (laughs) Cy then goes, if you would have came to us and said, this is not okay, never once did you say that. Jessel literally has to go, I didn't know what you were saying behind my back. Like, all this stuff was happening behind my... And and she did at the finale party. She went up to you and said, don't, like, I don't like you talking about my fucking marriage. Well, and not to mention the fact that every time this woman has been any level of vulnerable with y'all, you immediately say you're being fake, you're lying, you're talking in circles, you're all of this bullshit, which 
is not true at all. So, like, why would she ever fucking tell you anything? Fuck you. You've not earned that. Sai Sai then says to that point, Sai then says, you can talk to us. We're your friends at the end of the day. The fact that they still don't fathom that it's like you haven't provided a space in which for people to talk to you in a way where they can trust you and like, so like not just with Jessel, but with Jenna as well. It's like, come on. I mean, like at the end of the day, maybe you're her friend, but what about earlier in the day? What about, you know, around dinner time? What about about lunch? What about at brunch? What about at breakfast? What about, you know, all those times during the day when she tried to tell you about this stuff and you shot her down? It doesn't matter what happens at the end of the day when you were a bitch all day long. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they asked the, about the cackling hags comment and like Jenna like defending it and she's like look my father's British like it's really common and Aaron goes I mean a lot of people told me it's not very common and then I love Jessica going my mom calls me a hag so <laughs> just off and it's like oh okay <laughs> I mean it's to to quote Lisa Vanderpump it's British humor <laughs> British humor I, I didn't yeah it, it's fine. Um, Andy asked a question about how things uh, with Sai and Jessel seem to sort of start to get bad when Jessel had insulted Jenna's gift, which I didn't really think about. Like, yeah. And, I, and that, I mean, that was in a time in which we were Team Sai and that. So it was like, you know. How the tables have turned. Yeah. Sai's like, you know, I spoke up because I could really sense that Jenna was upset about it and wasn't vocalizing it. So, and I was annoyed by it. So that's why I said it. And Jessel apologizes again. And she's like, I was unaware of, you know, Jenna's emotions and stuff like that. And I think Jessel is like, you know, the moments earlier in the season where she was very delusional and like, sort like, you know, didn't know how she was coming across in certain ways. Like, I think she's receptive to that. Yeah. You know? Well, I mean, go back and listen to, you know, the earlier episodes from Roni from us this season. Like, we used to very much be on that view of Jessel and, like, even of her and Pavit's relationship and all of that. And throughout the season, we saw her evolve and we saw and we gave yeah. her space to do that. And that's called growth. Growth. <laughs> <laughs> We took new information and then had new opinions. Yeah, it's a it's quite a concept. <laughs> Andy is reading a question about what the hell is wrong with Cy and Aaron? They get nuts about Jenna not sharing. Then they ask Jessel to share and she does and they make fun of her. Aaron then's like, okay, let me lay this out. I think the problem I was having with understanding your stories is they didn't seem like yours. I understand your family's your story, but I wanted to know like your upbringing. Aaron, you're a smart woman. <laughs> Do you know what the you know what the definition of upbringing is, right? Like when someone talks about their upbringing, like that's that's her family. Like her family is her upbringing. Well, and I what the fuck are we talking? about? It's giving context, right? Like you give context before you tell a story. You don't just start telling the story of Aladdin without laying the groundwork of this is in the city of Agrabah. Yeah. Like you have to like, you, you, you lay the groundwork. Aladdin doesn't make sense unless you give it the context of this is a Middle Eastern, like, uh, I think it's Islamic nation, like city state. Like you have to understand this is the world mm -hmm. in, the, in which we're telling this story. And that's what Especially when you doing. Have, when you have a cast that's multicultural. Right. right? Like everyone's back. Like 
Uba's like a lot of like Uba's background and how she handles situations and sort of how her upbringing is factored with the fact that she is Somalian. Like right. it's it's a different upbringing, it's a different dynamic. Right. Like like you have to have context. And if you watch um Real Housewives of Dubai, you also get a little bit of that from her cousin Chanel Ion yeah. and her history in Somalia. So you really kind of understand like the dynamics there. And how they had very different tracks, but where they started in the same place. Right. And so you can kind of understand different sides of that coin by understanding Chanel Ion's story and also Uba's story. I, I feel like that, to me, there's a, a nice parallel there. But, like, does that make sense? No, I agree. Um, Aaron continues and goes, and these girls would talk about these hard upbringings and growing up with literally nothing. And you'd be like, I had an internship and lived with my uncle. And she goes, having an internship is a privilege. Someone pointed out online, there is sort of a grossness to Aaron, like, like, minor, like, minority splaining. Yeah. Like, priv- the concept of privilege to a brown woman. Yeah. Well, like, and it's like, okay, yes, it is a privilege to be able to take an unpaid internship. But at the same time, she was able to do that because her uncle was able to put her up. It's not because her parents were rich. Right. It's not because she just has this lavish, you know, lifestyle that everything's paid for. It's that she was able to come live with someone who had a spare room. Yeah. Who had enough coins to rub together to have a little bit of extra food around the house for an extra person. And all like what extra money did he pay for her? Yeah. Not much. Like, enough for maybe a bus pass and some extra food in the house. Otherwise, he's already paying the internet bill. He's all, Or not internet at that time. But, you know, he's already paying all the different bills in the house. He's already got that room. It's not like he added a room for her to get there. Yeah. Like, it, there's not a whole lot of privilege involved there. Well, and we'll get to it. Like, I think, <laughs> I think it's really rich of Aaron being the one to be like, stop comparing your upbringing to everyone who had it much worse. When I don't think Aaron had it as worse, had it as worse as even she's letting on. No, Aaron had literally the most privilege out of anyone in this group. I think like you, when you tell the story of like your parents and their jobs, it's like, that doesn't seem like poor or middle class. Just saying. Yeah. Um, Andy goes, but why is it a competition? And Aaron goes, it's not. But she would say, I grew up with nothing. Uh, Jessel lays it out. She goes, I talk about my parents and where they come from because it informs my identity. It's my, it's the color of my skin. It's my culture. And Aaron goes, and I totally get that. I don't think you do. Like, and then I, I'm glad Jessel called this out. And she's like, I mean, for Cy to be like in 1492, Jessel's parents came to the Mayflower. That was offensive to me. Like, you guys poked fun. You belittled my story. And then Cy goes, Jessel, that's not it. We're not belittling your story. Stop saying stuff like that. But you are, Blanche. You are. (laughs) Andy literally has to go, well, if that's how she felt. Like, like, that's the thing that Cy hasn't gotten for, like, the last half of this season. It's like, you can't tell someone how they feel. Yeah. You can tell what your intention was or whatever. But, like, that's not what you're doing here. Right. Like, intention doesn't lessen the impact. It can help me forgive you quicker because I understand where your heart is. But even then, I don't trust what you're telling me your intention is because your intention is so, like, you're all of a sudden coming up with this so many months after the fact. 
when you were being vicious in my face. So, like, fuck you, yeah. like, at the end of the day. Um, uh, Sai goes, watching back, it does seem like we're going a little crazy on Jessel. You know, in that moment, we she kept talking in circles for me, and the math wasn't mathing, so I was just getting so frustrated. And I'm just like, you are the biggest talking in circles person on this cast. I'm, you- I'm just tired of the buzzwords. When was she talking in circles? Explain the circular logic she was using in that moment. Yeah. Explain what wasn't adding up to you. What, like, were you mad that she has multiple cultures within her home and that has influenced the way that she's brought up? Like, she she had culture from Africa. She had culture from India. And then she also had the culture in Britain. Yeah. Like, those are three very different distinct things. And then she moved to New York. So, like, you've got... All sorts of different things that influence who she is. And all of those pieces of the puzzle are important because without all the pieces, the puzzle's not complete. You moron. Yeah. That's how this works. So what wasn't adding up? Do you not know how to put a puzzle together? Because that's really fucking simple, actually. And she she laid it out for you. You were just not listening because you didn't care right jenna jenna gets asked about you know what her thoughts are and she brings up like i think the thing with jessel is just sometimes acknowledging the difference and talks about the whole like uncle versus mother thing that jenna brought up uba speaks up and goes look i'm an african woman we take our aunt and uncle like our mom and dad so everyone has a different relate you don't know someone's relationship with their uncle aaron goes her mother had just passed away like and, and like, we'll get to it with size story. I give her some grace and sort of like, not in grace, but like she has to deliver her message better. And she, it's, it's not on other people to police when she's being an asshole. But like, I, I know why she's being an asshole because of her mom. It makes more sense. Well, right. But she wouldn't tell her story. Right. That's the thing. And everyone else was trying to tell their story and she would shit on their story. And so, like, you don't get to refuse to tell your story and then expect grace from people for your story that they can't possibly know. Right. Sai says, like, you know, I realized that you were trying to connect. I just didn't want to hear it because I don't like bringing up my mom. I don't whatever. And Jess was like, I respect that and I'm sorry. And Jess apologizes like multiple times. Bryn gets annoyed and Bryn goes, how is it that you're always apologizing? They don't apologize to you. I just wish you would stop apologizing them. They tore apart your marriage. And then Sai goes, Bryn, you're not in this. (laughs) No, but I'm Bryn in this moment. No, I agree. Because, like, 100%. You don't owe them shit. Here's the thing. Aaron and Ty eventually get to the point where they apologize. I was more annoyed that Jessel apologizes first and often. And genuine, and also you could tell genuinely understands why she's apologizing. Whereas Aaron and Cy just get tired out and they just apologize as if they didn't defend. If all, as if they're, it didn't, the apology doesn't contradict the statements that they made for the last 10 minutes. You yeah. know what I mean? Well, and it also felt very much like, um, very similar to like the end of OC where it's, oh, well, I want to come back next season. So let's tie everything in a bow and right. everybody be chummy, you know, so that we can do season two of this cast. Yeah, exactly. It, it felt like that. Uh, Jessel's like, you know, I wasn't trying to compare Sai's mom to my uncle, who is like a father to me, just to set the record straight. And I think she was just saying that to be like, that is my relationship, but I know it doesn't matter. And they got to Aaron rolling her eyes. It's like, fuck off. I'm so like, like of you. Even in the midst of you trying to repair this relationship, you are furthering harm. Yeah. Fuck off. 
Like, I just don't get it. Annie, Annie asked about, like, you know, you saying that you had savings or whatever when you when you went to college. And, and Justin's like, I mean, savings can be like 5000 10000 It's just savings. Aaron goes, having savings and having your college paid for is privilege. Again, stop lecturing on privilege. Jessel goes, my parents started from scratch in England. And Aaron goes, I get it. My dad started from scratch in Israel. But did you grow up poor? And Jessel goes, we grew up comfortable, but certainly not lavish. And, and like, they kind of ch- all chuckle. And I'm like, again, like, what do you want her to be in a box on the street? Is like that what is that what's considered poor? Well, yeah. like, God forbid she have a, a house and be middle class. Middle class is not like fucking like you know extravagant and fucking oh my god you're so privileged like fuck off my family was fucking middle class and they still fuck my dad worked two fucking jobs still and we still had a house and we still had a you know you know nice things and we went on vacations and stuff like that but it wasn't as if they weren't like having to work their fucking asses off right and i mean i grew up like i had a, a disabled brother so a lot of our funds went to him so my, even though we had a larger income, it didn't feel like it because it was all going out. And so like, I, I understand it's like, yeah, I was middle class, but it didn't feel that way. I still ended up being painfully aware of our financial situation as a child, which I should not have been. And, you know, I understood that we were, you know, like not having, not able to do all the things. I think we went on a family vacation one time yeah one time in my entire childhood ours was yearly and we would save for it yeah it's like it's like yeah it's uh, stupid um jessel goes privilege or not i shouldn't be made to feel shame and aaron goes how am i making you feel shame andy literally has to go well you're picking apart her backstory yeah (laughs) aaron goes i'm not it's like yes you are are how else is this uh, we you mean you're not picking the pieces of her backstory are literally in your hand you're pulling them apart and you're be, saying you're not doing it it'd be one thing for aaron to say like i'm not trying to i'm not meaning to. she's like I, I, like you know picking apart her backstory like who who did that like, i'm not off. kicking your puppy as my toe makes contact with her rib cage what are you talking about but jessel jessel gets her together good she goes we had a very simple upbringing. While you were at the ballet with Brad Pitt and Gwyneth, I Bitch. was delivering newspapers with my mother. I was like, get her, Jessel. That was a good callback. <laughs> that was great. And Aaron goes, do you know my backstory? Where my dad came over with the Mayflower? And then Brad goes, guys, I was on the Mayflower because she's dressed like a pilgrim. <laughs> <laughs> Breaks that tension. Um, Aaron, this was interesting. Aaron, Andy asked a question of what's the, to Aaron of what's the difference between what she did with Jessel's marriage and what Bryn did to Abe at their party. Yeah. And, but Aaron doesn't have an, here's the thing. When Aaron doesn't have an answer and she like clearly doesn't have a proper explanation, she just apologizes because it's like easier. She goes, look, I'm really sorry. It was not right. I was poking fun. It wasn't funny. Um, and then like Sai concedes that, you know, maybe it was a misunderstanding about when Pavit was leaving and maybe Jessel wasn't lying. You know, maybe it was just a misunderstanding. Okay. Whatever. It's, it's like, it's like, it was, it's like pulling blood from a stone to get an apology out of these women. And it's so it's, frustrating. It's exhausting. Honestly. Um, we then get to Sai's package, uh, her exclusive package. Um, this is where she goes more into the stuff about her mom. And I do, I, I was really choked up by this segment, like as much as I've been down on Sai. Yeah. Um, uh, she talks about how she suffered, you know, she says she suffered from mental illness and tried to treat it with alcohol. Um, she says she would go to Central Park and just drink. A police officer would call and say she fell somewhere and they'd have to pick her up from the hospital. 
Um, she says it was literally like having a child. Um, you know, I was, and she says I was always holding my breath waiting to get the call that she was dead. And I finally got it. And I will say as somebody who had a family member who, um, had a, a path with addiction and, and is now recovered. Luckily, um, I, this, I re- like, I resonated with this in the sense that like a lot of the stuff that Sai was talking about, you feel when you are a family member of someone who is addicted and who like, you know, it's, 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 um, it's a common pattern and like, yeah. you know, the, the feelings of guilt and that, that really resonated with me. And it speaks to, at, at least gives explanation as to why Sai is the way she is. Well, and, and also the, the specific thing with Sai about having her mom live with her for a while and then her mom, like, wilded out in front of the kids yeah, she and did. having to kick her out and then three months later she's dead. Yeah. Like, that has to weigh on you. And it has to, like... But at the same time, that's not an excuse for you to be a bitch. No, it's like, not. The thing is, is that your trauma is your trauma. But when you're an adult, it is your job to figure out how to carry that trauma. Yeah. She keeps saying, like, this is, like, the best therapy session I've ever had. And you kept, you kept being like, but you need to go to therapy. But, but, like, go to therapy. Like, Andy is not a therapist. Go to therapy. Yeah. And I can I also just quickly say also from, like I mentioned, from, like, my perspective on, like, my personal stuff. Like, there were, I saw a lot of comments being, like, how dare David tell her to, like, kick her mother out of the house and stuff like that. And, like, you know. No. I, 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 you don't, you don't know when you're going through that situation. There is a case where, like, certain people hit rock bottom. And it's a matter of, like, w- I don't believe David is doing that out of like callous means or like when it's so, when it's a matter of like self-preserving your family and like self-preserving that dynamic. And some people you can, you can try as hard as you can, but like, like, um, Bryn said is a disease and like you, you can try and you can have all the love in the world for that person. And, and but they have to want to be, get better. They have to want to get better. And they, and sometimes it just doesn't work. And like, it's not, it, you know, it, and it, it, that doesn't make, like, kicking her out any more hard. Like, it doesn't right. make it any more difficult. But, like, sometimes it is the only option that you have. Well, and when you have, when you have children, your children have to be your number one priority. Yeah. Not your spouse. Not your parents. Your children. Because your children didn't have an option. You know, their well-being has to be first. Adults get to make their own decisions and have to live with the consequences of that. But children don't get that opportunity. Right. Children don't have control over their lives. So, therefore, you as their parent have to make every decision to put them first. And then you, as their parents, have to be put second. And then everyone outside of that has to be third. Yeah. And at that point, they had to preserve the safety of their children first and then the safety of their home second her mother came third and unfortunately her mother put herself in that situation and it had been a point where the kids were in danger their home was in danger and the the offending party made their choice and continued to make their choice and if she wasn't going to get into a program and get help, 
then she was at least going to get the hell out of my house. Yeah. I, because and, you're not going to put my kids in danger. Yeah, and it's not an emotion. It's not a, a selfish move. It's, I just want to reiterate that. It's not a selfish move. Right. It's a, it's, you know, people don't do, people don't dump their mother out or their family member out, you know, without, you know, thinking twice about it. They, they Well, and sometimes somebody needs that kick, right? Yeah. Like when it comes to addiction, sometimes you have to hit rock bottom. And sometimes people will hit rock, do- rock bottom and pull out the jackhammer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it seems like that's what happened with her. Yeah. But it, I don't blame them for kicking her out. And I hope that Cy realizes that they did the right thing for their family. Yeah, I think so. Um, Andy says that, you know, when they announced the cast, you know, people reacted negatively to the idea of, the, of there being an influencer. And it was like, it wasn't really the idea of there being an influencer. It was more the idea that it felt like everyone on the cast was an influencer. We figured out that wasn't the case, but, you know, I think that was more the issue. Um, yeah. Um, Sai says that influencers do get a bad rap. And I do agree with what Jenna laid out. She's like, you don't get hired as an influencer. You call yourself one. So there's a myriad of people who call themselves influencers that are not. And so it muddies the waters. And I'm like, yeah, that's probably true. Like, it was good to see size showcasing what the business is like of a real influencer and how it's not just this simple fucking, like, right. you know, thing. Um, Andy asked, uh, <laughs> I thought this was weird. Andy asked the story about how she met David. Um, and she's like, you know, I met him at like a swim up bar in Costa Rica. He actually tried to pick up my girlfriend and then we, and then she like lays out the story. It was very much like, okay, but we're not touching on the rumors of like Hmm. whether David was married or not at the time. Huh? Okay. We're just going to ignore that. Okay. Gotcha. Um, Cy apologizes for being such a bitch because she was hangry all the time and like, you know, I was there was a couple more discussions about like her eating stuff, and I was like, I was like, this isn't the most interesting trait. Like, I, I yeah, but it would have been weird if they didn't mention it. So yeah, they didn't go to Bryn's package. Um, I couldn't tell. I noted this to you. Uh, they're playing Bryn's package, and you see like the reactions of people. Um, and they go to the part where she's talking at that Thanksgiving dinner about like her family upbringing and the 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 um all the shit that and the trauma that she's been through and i couldn't tell but it looked like she was like plugging her ears during it and she i mean it's clearly we, we saw it on the show that she's very triggered by it to where like it's difficult to even talk about maybe let alone hear about so it also i also have since found out that apparently rubbing right there in front of your ears is like a self-soothing mechanism so yeah. that could have been what she was doing um so i i don't I don't know exactly, but, like, I know it's been rough for Bryn. Like, she's not had all, like, until, you know, recently with all the many choices of suitors. But, like, before that, it was very, like, had a very difficult life coming up. So, like, I understand how that can be very triggering. Yeah. Uh, Andy asked a question about her brother sort of being her sounding board and if he has kind of replaced the the role that Mimi left. She's like, he feels like a different role. And then she says, when we were young and going through the trial, he protected me physically. And I was like, it was one of those things where it's like, I I know she didn't mention a lot of details when talking about the, the stuff with her family. So when she brought up this idea about going through the trial, I was like, okay, that's new information. Uh, the only thing I can think of is like a custody case. I think so. And like, maybe there was like uh, trouble with, her grandmother trying to get custody from her mom yeah i I don't know like i i don't know i hopefully we'll get more about it next season yeah but 
that's the only thing I can piece together that may be the case. Um, uh, the aspirin about like sort of that scene in the hair salon and sort of her talking about being mixed race. Bryn says, you know, now someone asked me what my race is. I say that I'm black. Like I feel it more now. And I thought it was really nice and, and stuff like that. There was a lot of dialogue online though, about what ha- it's more, we'll get to it more when the yeah. stuff with her and Uba, but like, cause I think that's more the factor in it. But like, you know, I, I'm I'm glad that she's embracing that side of her that she clearly and she expressed that like she kind of felt shame of for many years. So. Yeah. Um. Andy asks Sai about sort of the bond between her and Bryn. Sai goes, "I understand her upbringing. My situation's a little bit different from yours, but I understand the hurt. Oh, so with with Bryn you can understand it, but with Jessel you can't. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> like like when she said that, I was like, Do you fucking hear yourself right now? Yeah. Like, ah, uh, it's so. Uh. Uh, Bryn goes, I feel like in, uh, Bryn's kind of like upset because they had, you know, we had just come off like them finding out like they didn't speak for like six months, Bryn and Sai. She goes, I feel like we had that. So like, why throw it away all away over, you know, the Eastern seaboard? <laughs> what? It's talking about Connecticut. <laughs> no, I know. It's just, it was dumb. Sai goes, I'm just one of those people when they get angry, I don't want to talk. And Bryn goes, oh, are you? I didn't notice that. <laughs> Bryn had some good funny lines here. Um, Andy asks about Gideon and why he's not the one. Bryn says, everyone makes fun of me about the engagements. All three of them proposed to me when we were broken up. My thing is, why do you have to lose me in order to know that you want to be with me? And so that was interesting to, to yeah, find out. Yeah, that, that was fair because I knew about the one I knew Gideon had done that, right? But I didn't know the two previous to Gideon had done that as well. And that it's kind of and it's manipulative. And he says there's something romantic about it, and I was like, "Is it like?" And it would be one thing if you know, like, it had been immediate, and you know they had broken up, and then like you know the next week or something, he came back and said, "You know, I made a mistake. I didn't, you know, that sort of thing," and made a heartfelt plea. But it doesn't right? sound like that's what. But it, it doesn't. Is. No, because she was deeply entrenched in another relationship by the time that she got engaged. To right, it's right, like, right. Why are you waiting so long? <laughs> so get it like, together. if you had a moment of clarity, should not shouldn't have that have happened like right after y'all broke up? Yeah. No, that's true. And then Bryn talks about the, the, the topic comes up about Gideon's penis, and his penis is very proper; like it has like a little ascot on it. I don't understand that. And then oh, oh, and because Bryn, because like unless had, she's saying he's uncut, but he's British, so that's normal. Well, and then Andy was like, "Do you don't think there's a future?" And he's like, "He's kind of more like a hot cousin now." And, and he's like, "Oh, okay, never mind then. <laughs> no, that's off the table." No, but the mm, hot cousin. Why why are we describing our cousin as hot? And also you've slept with this man. Yeah. This is awkward. No, let's not. <laughs> um, Andy asks about Bryn and Aaron's sort of like hot and cold relationship. Bryn goes, I think we're actually a lot alike. And Aaron goes, I trust that even when we mess around with each other, we're still going to have like that underlying mutual respect. And Uba rolls her eyes. And she says, <laughs> Aaron goes, why are you rolling your eyes? And Uba goes, because both of you guys are fake. That's why. <laughs> Jeez. Uba was, there were some moments where I was like, oh, get her, Uba. But the other moments where I was like, later where I was kind of like, oh, this seems weird. And like, I don't know what's happening. Yeah, it felt, it just through both parts of this reunion, it felt like Uba didn't quite understand the format. Yeah. And I I was like confused on what she was trying to do. Yeah. 
Um, Bryn goes, we're not fake. If I say I like her, that's what it is. You don't have to pipe in. And Uba goes, is there a place around here where I can puke? <laughs> Jeez. Um, this is where I feel like Bryn turned on Uba. And it gets worse later. Uba goes, it makes me sick, especially for Aaron, the way she talks about Bryn. Aaron's like, you know, I take ownership for what I say that when I'm angry. Uh, she goes, I'm not a perfect person, Uba. When you get angry, sometimes you go off. And Uba goes, I go off, but I still think I'm perfect. <laughs> Work, Uba. <laughs> like, uh, Aaron says... Um, Apparently, the uh, delusion runs in the family. Oh, <laughs> uh, they... Oh, well, well, then Aaron says that she doesn't just care about her. The topic of, like, I forgot the question, but it was like, does Aaron just care about herself and not other people? She's like, I'm a cancer. And you were like, fuck me. Like... Because we're both cancers. Both... <laughs> Me and Amen are cancers. But there's good cancers and bad cancers. Is she a a July cancer? Because I feel like that makes more sense for her. Yeah. But then Uba goes, no, she does care about everyone. She's very considerate. And it was so weird. Like, you were just calling her fake and and a liar and a bitch. And it's like, no, but she's really nice. Yeah. That didn't make a lot of sense at all. It was so odd. Um, Then we get to the package about phone gate, right? And so we, to lay all this out. Andy, I did appreciate that, like... Jessel and Uba kind of rerouted this because Andy tries to start it and goes, with all due respect, Uba, your phone was gone for 45 minutes. And Jessel goes, it wasn't 45 minutes because it wasn't. It was like a couple hours. <laughs> like, Haha. Yes. July 1st. She's a July cancer. Oh, that makes. Oh, yeah. Then fuck her then. <laughs> June cancers forever. Fuck that. Um, also, 1987. She's only two years older than me. What the fuck? Yeah. Uh, she's she's the youngest member of the cast because Bryn is 38 okay then. she's 36 now why does she have the biggest like stick up her ass like i'm I sorry i don't know not to say that young people don't but like what i don't know i don't get it um andy asked uh if they think that uba overreacted and Bryn and jenna both raised their hands and jessel goes i don't think she did uh, and then uba starts to go hold on hold on no i'm gonna talk like it's not gonna be like like i appreciated it because it was going it started it started in a route of like Uva's about Uva's overreaction. It's like we're skipping steps, right? But it also it also felt antithetical to a reunion because the flow of a reunion is always everyone gets to have their opinion and then the person gets to do their thing about the situation. Sure. As opposed to this, where Uva was like, "No, we're not doing that. We're doing this how I say we're doing this," and I'm like. Sweetie, I get that that's, like, I get that you feel a certain way about this situation and it was very volatile for you, but you need to understand what show this is. And you need to understand that this is, needs, you need to let Andy lead this. He knows what the fuck he's doing. I agree. Let him control the conversation. I, I, I agree. I think for the most part, though, I think what it was coming from was, I think, Aaron's feelings really dominated that conversation in Anguilla and Uba never really got to explain her story. I think that was a big like sort of thing where it's like, I didn't feel like that was the case. Well, Cause I, I really felt like I understood where she was coming from and I got mean, she, a full well, picture. Of, she explained it to the viewer maybe, but like, especially like when Uba, Oh yeah, I guess in person. It, yeah. Like Aaron didn't give a shit. Like sort of, it was just about Aaron's feelings and how she was attacked or whatever. Yeah. And like that, 
I think could be frustrating for Uba and, and why she was like, no, I'm going to lay this out. So my story gets out and then we can have a discussion about this other shit. That's how, right. like, that's the vibe I got. She talks like, you know, my family says, you know, put a message in the group chat in the morning and a message before you go to bed. So we know that you're, you know, safe. Um, Jenna is like, you know, Uba's story, her experience. None of us knew that it makes total sense. You can be angry. I just think that without the context of that, it just felt over the top. Uh, Uba goes, Jenna, I want to make it clear. I did not react. Ask her, meaning Jessel. I cried in the room with her. Then I went to sleep. I woke up in the morning and then Jessel goes, and she told me, let me calm down and I'll talk to her like in the afternoon when I'm calm, which is what I said. Right. Which was like, she wasn't going to ignore you all fucking day. Right. I would have, this is just me. I would have maybe passed that message along through Jessel. Maybe. Like, if Jessel knew that she was going to ice her out in the morning, then maybe as, if I'm Jessel, I would have gone to Aaron and said, look, she's upset. Let her calm down. She'll talk to you this afternoon. Right. But she just kind of wants to chill this morning and let it lie, and then you'll talk later. But like we said at the time, like, even if Aaron hadn't come to her and just broached it with I'm sorry, like, led with I'm sorry— it would have been also fine in that regard. So I think that's also, I think implicitly that's what Jessel was like thinking that Aaron would do naturally as a human being, yeah. but instead of just like making it about herself. Um, Aaron, Aaron, as we were saying this, Aaron goes, can I respond? And Uber goes, no, nope. <laughs> I need to finish this. <laughs> She's yeah. like, I'm getting this out. I gave you the grace of not saying anything all morning. I missed breakfast. And now you tell me not to mention your fucking name. I just wanted to bury you in that moment. It's yeah. like, like let's frame it what happened uba goes you took my possession i took your possession but just because i grab yours i'm wrong yeah well and the thing is is that uba uba took her sunglasses because within her culture hiding your eyes when you're speaking to each other not looking each other in the eye when you're talking is disrespectful sure and that's why she was like you need to take your sunglasses off and that's why later when they're talking out on the, she tells the, her to the take patio, them off. she asks her to take her glasses off again. She, and she explains, this is why. Yeah, and it was already built up disrespect right. that was happening, right? With Aaron yelling at her about, like, don't say my name and all that. Um, Uber, and then, so, okay, this is where Uber, like, kind of lost me a little bit. The topic of, like, you know, Aaron said that, you know, you texted, I texted Jessel and said I had it. But, you know, and it was just, like, emoji, the emojis in the group chat or whatever. And it's like, you know, Andy's trying to be like, so it was, like, inferred. <laughs> and, like, and, I, I think the emojis were pretty damn clear that Aaron had the phone. Sure. But I also understand why there could be a language barrier. I, I get that. Yeah. So, like, maybe if someone is saying, I didn't get that, then you say, I'm sorry. Like, but, but ma- I didn't communicate it clearly. Uba's, like, sort of, like, I caught, Uba's portraying is like, I caught Aaron in a lie at this reunion because she said, I texted just so I have the phone and there was no text. And it's like, oh, God, Uba, like, she's, like, they, they were, this is where they lost track a little bit. And yeah. like. Well, yeah, it's because Aaron said that because that's what she remembered because she was drunk off her ass when that was happening. Right. 
Aaron goes, when I got the text message that you were upset, I should have just come down to the stairs and brought you your phone. Yes. And I'm sorry for that. But from my perspective, the ganging up on me, and then Uba goes, no one ganged up on you. They have their own minds, which I do agree with. I think there's a, it's not an explicit microaggression, but I think there's kind of a tinier one of like, Uba like pitted all of them against me. Like, it's like, that's not what happened. Everyone, you just fought with everyone this season. And everyone had their issues with you already. Yeah. And, and that's what happened. And I do, I do think, I do think Uba came in hot, but I also think that Aaron was painting that in such a way that Aaron could have diffused that. Right. It Aaron, was on Aaron to diffuse it. Right. Like Uba came in hot, but Aaron could have easily, instead of matching that energy, could have diffused it. Right. Could have fixed that whole situation right then and there in the lobby, and it would have never been an issue. Yeah. Okay. So, like, it takes two people to fight, but at the same time, like, I, I just, I don't understand. Like, she, she was upset. She had every right to be upset. You should have been contrite. Right. Um, Andy asked, Uba, would it have made a difference? Because it kind of diffuses a little bit. Uba, Andy asked, Uba, would it have made a difference if Aaron would have apologized to you right away? And for some reason, Uba's still on the track about the text message. <laughs> she goes... Just to say that you had my phone, I told Jessel. Why didn't you say I told the group chat? And he goes, I mean, we're kind of moved on from that part. Yeah. And then at this point, Bryn gets, you can tell Bryn's just getting annoyed. And she just goes, I feel like I'm in crazy town right now. For fuck's sake. You know, there's this thing called find my iPhone. It's called share location. And then Uba goes, you want to know why I couldn't fucking find my iPhone? And like starts like yelling at Bryn. Bryn goes, back up. You don't want to go with me. I'm the only one here that's not afraid of you. And I did see a lot of people being like that she, cause on the topic of when like aggressiveness versus assertiveness comes up later, that people were annoyed about Bryn's comment earlier being that she embraces the fact that she's black, but then doesn't fully allow Uba to sort of express her range of emotions. And like in certain things, maybe inadvertently is like saying things that play off of this idea of like the stereotypes and right. like, you know, I think I, I can understand that dialogue that I saw. Yeah, but I mean, Uba admittedly, to like self-admittedly, goes from zero to a hundred. Right. So like she understands that she takes it too far when she gets heated, but like that's then up to you to correct. You don't get to just say that's how I am and then continue to be toxic. Yeah. But at the same time. There's somebody else like somebody else triggered that, but then you have a responsibility to react responsibly. Right, I agree. Uba goes, "Don't teach me how to deal with my family." And Bryn goes, "It's the Genius Bar, Apple software." Uba goes, "You may be dead, and your phone's still on. Share your location doesn't do shit. They get then gonna fly to Vancouver from Vancouver and find me in Anguilla." <laughs> I was like, <laughs> there were a couple times where I was kind of glad Uba was putting Bryn in her place at points, like at yeah at certain points. Andy has a fan comment saying, you know, they need to stop telling Uba how to express herself. She's an African woman, yeah. et cetera. Uba goes, I don't get angry. <laughs> this was confusing. <laughs> she goes, I don't get angry. And anyone who gets my anger deserves it. I'm like. But if you don't get angry. Two plus two. And like, carry the four. <laughs> that sentence didn't make sense. Yeah. It's like, but at the end of the day, like you don't get. Like, you have every right to be upset about something. How you feel is valid. But 
if you react and act in a toxic way, that is still on you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So while Uba is right in that she should have been respected more by Aaron, she still has to own the fact that she overreacted. Right. Um, Andy then asked Jenna about her saying that she got a taste of Uba hot at her house where um, she was mad about that they were filming or whatever. But uh, I, will, I will phrase that. I watch it back. I don't think she was mad. I think that I think that was a moment of assertiveness and not aggressiveness. Right. I really think that it was. I don't think it was as bad as you know. You know, Uba goes, Jenna. I was very disappointed in what you said. Uba doesn't have a side. She's big on this thing of like, there's a side to me or whatever, and that's offensive. Jenna goes, I would never try to dupe you, and Uba goes, I didn't think you did. Like it was never that I thought that you intentionally fucking you know made it seem like there weren't going to be cameras and there were, I just came and I laid out a boundary. I feel maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Sure. Sure. But I, I feel like, I feel like you can lay down a boundary without being assertive. Sure. Like you don't have to say, Hey, you didn't tell me there was going to be cameras here. Like, you can say, hey, I wish I had known that there was going to be cameras. I would have shown up differently. Yeah. You know, like, there's a way to communicate that that is not going to put someone on their heels and not feel like you're, like, trying to assert power. Yeah. Which I don't think is what she was trying to do. But you have to, like, I feel like, again, this is a difference in in culture and language, right? Like, she's not realizing that what she's doing is domineering. Yeah. Uba goes, don't confuse being angry and being a aggr- angry and being assertive. And Bryn goes, that's not assertive. And then Uba goes, listen, Amore, maybe you don't know how to be loved or how to stand up for yourself. And as soon as those words came out of Uba's mouth, I'm like, Oh no, those were the exact wrong words. Like those were not the right yeah. words. And then Bryn goes, watch your fucking mouth. I'm not afraid of you. Everyone's afraid of you. I'm not afraid of you. You put people in the hospital. I put people in the funeral. home. <laughs> it's like, were you threatening murder here? And then that- it, it got really like, it got like a Jersey reunion. Like it got intense. Cause then Uba goes, I fucking bury them. Bryn goes, I'm half black and half Irish. You don't want to fuck with me. And then Uba goes half Irish. I'm fucking Somali. I will backhand back your ass right now. I was like, Oh, it got intense. Yeah, it, it was intense. Uba goes, don't interfere with my conversation. And then she starts talking to Jenna again. Uh, Jenna again and goes, you said. And then Bryn goes, it's not really a conversation. It's a, and then Uba goes, shut up. And like, <laughs> Well, uh, the problem is, is that I think in, in, in Uber, in Uba's effort to like make sure that she's being heard. She is not letting anyone else be heard, not letting anyone else have a different viewpoint, not letting anyone else have a difference of opinion. It is Uba's definition of events or it is nothing at all. Well, yeah, but I also like I agree. I just think that like it came from a place. It came from a place of feeling unheard in the season. No, I completely agree. And I again, she's she is completely valid in feeling that way. But she has to find a way 
to address that without herself being toxic, yeah. which I don't think she has found and fine-tuned that in yet. Right. I think she will because her heart's in the right place, but I just – she needs to fine-tune that in. Yeah. Uh, Uba goes, there's no side of Uba. And Bryn goes, what side is this one? <laughs> Bryn was just starting it. <laughs> Uba goes, I told you I go from zero to 100 in a minute. Can I get a glass of water? <laughs> <laughs> Jenna's trying to explain that it's like it's a figure of speech. Like, I didn't mean to offend you. Uba goes, for someone I look up to, for you to sit in that chair and say, I'm Team Aaron about the whole stuff. And Jenna's basically like, I mean, I was Team Aaron in that moment because I saw that she was upset. Uba goes, you know, I wanted to cry because she's the closest one in this group to me. And none of you guys stood up for me. And I stood up for each and every one of you. I'm so tired of being kind and nice to all people and nobody having my back. Fuck all of you. And starts crying, which I agree. Like Uba did have that. Ten- U- we said it earlier in the season that Uba was very much like, like, I am going to be not neutral, but like, I'm going to be honest of like. Jessel, I think you're doing something wrong here. Aaron, I think you're doing something wrong here. Bryn, it's a for the betterment of like your friendship. And I stuck up for everyone at some point. And it's like, I feel like I'm just getting fucking thrown under the bus because of my reaction to something that happened to me. Sure. I don't think that Jenna was privy to the whole story. Sure. With the glasses and the phone situation. And Jenna was in that moment trying to find a peaceful way to move forward, which, to be fair, sometimes just saying let's stop fighting about it is not the fairest way to handle a situation when there is one wronged party. Right. Right? They deserve to have not retribution, but they they deserve restitution is more of the right word. You know, like there deserves to be some sort of give and take right. as opposed to just everyone stop. Yeah. And sometimes when you just say everyone stop peace and in, in um, peace for the sake of peace, then that's actually a disservice to the wronged party. Yeah. Aaron gets up and hugs Uba as she's crying. And then it just gets like comical. Like Bryn starts joking. Fuck her. She sucks. She's a bitch. I hate her. Like talking about Aaron. <laughs> Uba then's like, it's a great reverse Oreo with Aaron and Bryn on this. And it's just, they laugh. And I, it, I was like, okay, I'm glad you guys are in a good place. But it just felt like, it felt really up and down for me. Yeah. Um, Aaron and Uba say they're good. Um, Andy asked, says, Jenna, you had a question. And she's like, yeah, like, Uba, the comment you made earlier about no one wanting me on the show. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm glad we at least got back to that. But Sai goes, so she's referring to when we were at Aaron's house before we started filming. We all said, I don't think she's going to fit in the group, which I stand by at the time. I have a feeling that's not what happened. Also, I love how Sai knew exactly what she was referring to when earlier she said, no, that's talking- not, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so they close out the show. Andy says that she's proud that uh, he's proud of them and to kind of give their final thoughts on what they saw in themselves. Sai says, How I listen to others, I don't really listen, and I should open my ears and my heart a little bit more and be empathetic to what people are going through. And Bryn's face being like, Oh my god, she gets it. <laughs> like, finally, it took this long, but well, she knows the right words. We'll see next season if she actually gets it. Yeah, that's true. Uh, they all cheers and Jenna and Bryn kiss one last time. It's great. Um, yeah, so that was Roni. Um, like you said, I hope they fix it. Like the like Cy and Aaron and stuff like that. I I I will maintain what I said. I think everyone should be brought back again for another yeah. season. 
test the waters, then make decisions. Yeah. I think that's the... I think they could also do with maybe one or two friends of... Sure. Like, added stuff to the mix, just different... Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Uh, We're going to take a quick commercial break, and then when we come back, we're talking the newest episode of Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. Don't go anywhere. Well, hello, friends. I'm your pal in the mainstream media. And I'm the Riz. And, you know, Riz, it takes years of strenuous, dedicated training before you're worthy to step inside a professional wrestling ring. But it takes even more time to develop complex, highly astute opinions about professional wrestling. Am I right? That is correct. And you know where we can find that? Yes. On the wrestling man. That's right. Do you want something new to put on your reading list? Are you feeling your holiday spirit grow while also being astutely politically in tune? Then you'll want to pick up The Santa Strike, a new book by Shanna Hammaker. While home in Midland, Texas on a weekend visit with the eccentric uncle who raised him, Marion Wachlowski, otherwise known as Mary, discovers a long-forgotten letter Uncle Joe wrote to Santa Claus. Mary keeps it to share with his girlfriend Lindsay and his best friend Tommy, At first, they consider the letter to be nothing more than a silly lark. What kind of grown man would write a letter to Santa? But soon, Mary and Lindsay find themselves caught in a much larger mystery, concerning many, many more letters to Santa, all surrounding the crisis of gun violence in America. You can order The Santa Strike now on Amazon, available both on Kindle and in paperback. Sidekick Media Services. We are your sidekick in business for social media, video production, and more. Find out more at sidekickmediaservices.com Welcome back to A Gay and His MB. Let's head on over to Utah where we get an iconic dinner between a cult leader and a bobblehead on Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. Oh god. Uh, this episode of Salt Lake City I, I was shook by the end of it. I will say that. This was the like we we've kind of like said it offhandedly, but I think it's like Monica's the best new addition of oh, yeah. the show, and I and the amount that they are showing of her life is like I haven't seen in a while on Housewives, and like that that last scene was really fucking intense in a way that I haven't felt in a long time with Housewives. Oh yeah. Like it's absolutely. We'll get to it because it, we have a lot to say because it, it was a lot. Um, we started the episode uh, at Whitney and Justin's house. Uh, Whitney says she just got off the phone with Mary. <laughs> they cut to the call. Uh, Whitney goes, "I would just really love the opportunity to chat." And Mary goes, "If I'm not feeling it, I'm not showing up," <laughs> which is just so Mary. <laughs> Like fucking hell. Um, I <laughs> I love how they're filming Mary like she's a housewife. Well, yeah. I mean, every, I, Mary, it's not your average friend of. I'll say that. Like, I, 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 She's not your average anything. No, clearly. Um, Whitney goes, I fully realize it is completely random that I want to meet up with Mary. Because honestly, she's not that nice to me. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's putting it mildly. But it keeps coming up in my therapy, in my meditation with my energy healer. <laughs> it's like, oh, God. I think, like... I mean, I don't know what Whitney's intentions were with this. I think either side of it, she didn't get it, what she wanted out of the, the dinner. We'll get to it. Like, from a storyline perspective or from an actual real perspective. Yeah. Um, Whitney mentions that Heather is inviting her to a cross-country skiing and that Meredith will be there. Justin goes, how are things with you and Meredith? And Whitney goes, 
I wouldn't say they're bad, but they're not good. <laughs> it's like, really? <laughs> like, that's, uh. she, but she wants to invite her to Bobby's birthday. Um, and then they, they, this confusion because Justin's like, you know, are we, I thought we were celebrating it the week before or whatever, her actual birthday. And cause like I have a conference for work and all that, you know, and it's like, Again, like, this topic of, like, Whitney doesn't communicate, I guess, which, like, again, I don't know. Like, to me, I was like, okay, yeah, Team Justin, how did he, like, if he thought it was the week before, that's on Whitney. I Like, yeah. I don't know. I don't blame Justin for some reason, and maybe that's crazy. Like. I mean, it's it's hard to tell 100%, but when when Whitney has openly said, I'm bad at communicating, I it feels like maybe it's on Whitney. That might be it. Yeah. Um, we then go to Monica uh, and Heather meeting up to go snowmobiling. Um, they sit, they, and they going out on the snowmobiles and then they get by the fire to uh, drink some like uh, cocoa. Um, Monica thanks Heather for reaching out and Heather goes, you know, yesterday was hard. Cause when I saw you leaving with your kids in your arms, no shoes. And I was like, Oh, so like the shoe thing might be real then. <laughs> Well, I, I mean, how, you, how, you're going to leave with no shoes, when, and especially in Salt Lake. Like, that's cool. There's snow out there. Yeah. She's like, and I couldn't get it out of my mind. You know, you having your mom there but not helping you, it just reminded me the way I feel about my own mom. And then Heather kind of starts to share her story a bit, and they sort of, like, bond over their, you know, tumultuous relationships with their mothers. We've seen a little bit of it with Heather um, and, and stuff like that. She talks about how they grew apart during the divorce and that it was hard for her mom to navigate defending her. Yeah. I mean, yes, I think it's for different reasons, but it was like, yeah, the whole like mom not defending you and sort of like, I mean, in Heather's case, it's because she's entrenched in a religion. In in Monica's case, it's something. I don't like, (laughs) it's like fame and fortune. I don't know. Like, (laughs) I Uh, mean, who knows? I mean, we get the answer later that might be much deeper for. For one, for one mother, it's the LDS, Latter-day Saints. For the other, it's what appears to be LSD, because bitch is having, like, <laughs> some tripping. <laughs> Monica goes, you know, my mom and I's relationship is so volatile. I think it dates back to my whole childhood. And then she starts to choke up to, to then explain that, basically describing that when she was 12, she, her mom left her with some family in Pennsylvania when she went to New York to basically chase her dream is how she puts it. And she's like, my dad left me when I was four and then my mom left me. So I have major abandonment issues because of that. And she's crying. And so then, so this clip got released early in like right. a preview thing. And within like an hour of it being released, uh, Monica's mom had like a full multi-paragraph statement on Twitter, which again, like I said last week, why the fuck are you doing this on social media? Also, the entire statement, if you go through and read it, like, she starts out by saying, this is a complete bullshit fabrication, whatever, lie. And then goes on to corroborate everything that Monica said. The only thing that she says is wrong is that Monica knew the family and liked the family. Okay. Who fucking cares? Which Monica didn't say that she didn't know these people. Yeah. She just said that you left her with the family in Pennsylvania. So we eventually, like, and then Monica responds and gives a full story of what happened. So this family used to be their downstairs neighbors. Right. Right. And they had moved away to Pennsylvania. 
And then her mom was going to New York for work, but couldn't find an apartment in New York um, on like while they were moving. So left Monica with uh, the family while she was uh, working in New York but and trying she... to find a bigger apartment. But where was she, she was... staying though? She was apparently able to find like a, but like, I don't get it. Like, Take your fucking child. I you don't have, know. it's one kid. You can like, it sucks, but you can live in a studio apartment with one kid. That's okay. Like going back to like the dynamic of like poor versus middle class. Like there's people that don't have rooms for their children that they all sleep in the same room on the same mattress and yeah. it's fucking terrible. But it's like, you do what you have to fucking do for your child. Right. Like, it's ridiculous. And it's like the idea, it's like, well, they were a nice family. And, and so Monica was, and Monica liked them. Monica could have liked them. They could have had maybe even children that Monica was friends with. Doesn't fucking matter. At the end of the day, that child watched her mom walk out the door and not come back. Like, this is the only thing I could compare it to in my life. I don't have abandonment issues by any means of, of all that stuff. Um, my dad uh, had cancer. And so he was going through cancer treatments in Houston um, when we were living in Corpus Christi, which is like further south. And so they would fly, have to fly to Houston uh, to go to MD Anderson. And so we would – me and my brother would – because it was still a school year and, you know, we had to still be at home, stayed with this old family uh, who we were neighbors to that we were close with and very much like that. We still miss them. Like – and and we had – and I – you know, you wanted to be with your family. Right. Like – and that was for like like couple days out of the year. You know what I mean? This was like you left her to just in a in semi-permanent situation. And she's like, "Well, I called every night." Fuck off. Like she's the worst. I I I uh. And it was for like a year, right? Yeah. It was it's, like bullshit. Um we go to Lisa's house and John Barlow is showing Jack photos from his mission when he when he first did his. I thought this was like I like this did a lot for John. I always found John kind of weirdly hot. And this, like, seeing him as, like, a dad was, like, interesting. Yeah. And then John drops the bomb in the confessional and goes, you know, I wasn't as impacted as Lisa was. You know, Jack actually told me two weeks before he told Lisa. And we what? were like, and we were like, are you fucking serious right now? I would have taken that to my grave. She goes, he goes, when he told me, he was like, don't tell mom. I would have been like Omarosa being surprised by Corinne getting put up for, or not Corinne, uh, and Fisa being put yeah. up for elimination on House of Villains. What? You, you're going on a mission? I had no clue. But based on Lisa's confessional earlier in the season, I think she at that time believed that John didn't know. Like, and that, yeah. and that he, that Jack was surprising both of them. So it's like, whoa, they like, and Lisa already every like third sentence is like, yeah, Jack hasn't telling me I'm not the best mom. Like, so it's like the producer asked, were you afraid of Lisa's reaction when she found out? And John just goes, she beat the shit out of me. Probably. <laughs> um, John. And, and apparently John had met Lisa on his mission. Like, like he was like, you know, he was with Lisa's sister. Lisa's sister was on a mission. And so that's how they kind of like met, which I didn't realize for some reason. <laughs> Lisa comes in the room. Oh, you broke out the vintage albums. <laughs> um, Jack is like awaiting his call on where he's going. And Lisa goes, okay, so like, what if we have this huge party and your call doesn't come? <laughs> Lisa's so focused on the party. And Lisa, her confessional, I'm realizing that Jack does not have any value in anything I say or feel. <laughs> it's like, fuck. 
And then we cut to like them going to dinner like a week before. Lisa's like, so for your mission reveal, like, what do you want there? And Jack goes, liquid death, charcuterie. <laughs> Lisa goes, that's it? But I feel like that's like boring. Jack goes, boring is good. Lisa goes, okay. <laughs> so maybe it's not that he doesn't care about your opinion and more that you keep shitting on his opinions on things. And that's why he doesn't tell oh, you things. Lisa drags his ass in the confessional. <laughs> it was crazy. She goes, we're in Jack's world right now. It's all Jack's doing what Jack's doing. Like Jack just got this vibe that he needed frosted tips. Like, I don't get it. Like, why are we reliving the nineties? I'm like, are you dragging your child in this confessional? I mean, like work, but also like you understand why he doesn't trust you then. <laughs> yeah. John tells Jack how proud he is of him for making the decision. He gets like choked up in his confessional. I was like, oh shit, John. Like, well, but you see, John goes to Temple. Yeah. Lisa doesn't go to Temple. <laughs> sure. John goes, if you go out there and, you know, you want to come home, the door's open. You know, there were days that I wanted to come home. And Lisa goes, I had a roommate in college who was, like, so crazy weird. And I'm going to tell you the story for a reason. I came home, and she was in my room wearing all my clothes. And, like, she was sitting on my bed. I was like, what are you doing? And she said, oh, I just wanted to see if what it was like to feel like to be like you for a day. And it was really creepy. <laughs> Okay, so what's the reason? But also, when I heard that, I was like, oh, that's just the story she told you because she was trying to steal your clothes because they were expensive. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Oh, yeah, my Valentino. <laughs> yeah, but, like, also, you said you were telling this story for a reason. <laughs> like, be wary of your roommates, I guess. But, uh, like... Like, are you going to get to that reason sometime this century? What are we doing? <laughs> it's so weird. Um, we go to Heather uh, with her skiing to get together with Monica, Meredith, and Whitney. <laughs> just the brief side of them, like, I guess cross-country skiing is different than, like, the regular stuff, and it's harder for some reason. Like, Whitney's falling. Monica goes, how do we stop if we, do, if we need to stop? And Heather goes, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. They decide to then tailgate um, uh, after they finish. Whitney goes, Monica, what's going on with the car? You got a new Range Rover? And Monica goes, that's a rental. And then she basically then has to explain that. She goes, holy shit. I pay for everything, but it's in my mom's name, which I was like, I feel like they're going to say something about that because wasn't there the stuff that like Jen paid for her car or something? Like, wasn't that going around in like the circles of people online that like. I don't, I don't know. Maybe. She's like, I pay for everything, but it's in my mom's name. So when she gets mad at me, she takes the car. And so she took my car after Angie's Easter dinner and left me without a car with my four kids. So I immediately said, I'm not paying that bill anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's on her credit. Yeah, I will take your fucking credit, bitch. If they come back and repo that car, that has nothing to do with me. Yeah. Meredith goes, how did she do how, how did she do this? And Monica goes, this is what she said. I want the car by 4 p.m. or I'm calling the police and saying it's stolen. It's like. Yeah, I would stop paying that and then I would just call the 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 place that has the note on it and go, hey, so um, I'm the one paying the bill on this. I'm no longer going to be paying the bill on it. So if you would like to go ahead and repo it, this is the address it's at. Yeah. And then I'd be done. I would no longer have anything to do with that. And then, bye, mother. Bye. If you're going to be a fucking cunt, 
go over there and pay for your own goddamn car. It's like, and, and Mary says it, she's like, it sounds like when she's angry, there's no reasoning. And Monica goes, because she's angry and it's a control tactic and she's throwing a tantrum, which like, clearly it's a control tactic. What's the excuse of taking the car other than you're mad at her? Yeah. And it's like, there's no reason to do that. It's like, like Monica said, when she has four fucking kids. Yeah. Like, that's fucking ridiculous. Um, Heather goes, uh, Tim, uh, Meredith and goes, you haven't met her mom yet. We met her at Angie's Easter. And Meredith goes, would that not go over well? And Heather goes, no, she'd love you. She's so nice and charming. And Monica goes, it's like Ted Bundy, right? No, no one ever thought he was a murderer because he was so charismatic. <laughs> <laughs> like, Is she trying to tell us her mother's a murderer? Yeah, <laughs> uh, I would not be surprised. What was she doing in New York? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then we find out, like, because they're, they're kind of commiserating over it. And, like, Whitney apparently like, didn't talk to her mom for, like, 13 years after she left the church and all that. And so Monica's like, it's kind of crazy that we all have, like, issues with our mothers and we all raising daughters and uh, all that. And I love that Meredith's like, I actually have a pretty great relationship <laughs> with my mom. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> <Sorry. laughs> Um, Whitney invites everyone to Bobby's uh, birthday party. And then Whitney tells Meredith that Angie and her family will be there. It makes me uncomfortable that you repeatedly said that you wanted to ruin her life and Meredith goes I never said I would ruin anyone's life Whitney goes you said multiple times that there are rumors that you heard about that that could ruin her life okay well that's not the same thing then yeah (laughs) Whitney (laughs) Uh, and then I was confused Whitney goes look back in sorry look back in the history of our friendship (laughs) it was the same thing with Jen with Lisa with Mary, and now it's Angie. I'm like, what did Meredith do to Mary? You guys did something to Mary, whether valid or not. Like, like it, Whitney, that was your shit. <laughs> Don't put that on Meredith. Yeah. She goes, as your friend, I'm telling you, this seems to be your pattern in what you do. And Meredith goes, as my friend, I would like to understand how you could see my car crash on the side of the road and not stop or call me for 48 hours to see that I'm okay. What? It was, <laughs> this was where I was like, okay, there is now some validity to Whitney's point of like the tra- using the tragedy thing. And it does kind of validate the weird editing from when the crash happened. It, it, I still don't think that weird editing was the right choice because it felt weird to do that. Yeah. Like, but like now it makes sense. Kind of Whitney goes, I later found out it was you. And that's when I texted you. Cause you posted that you were in a near fatal accident. <laughs> and uh, well, I, I don't know about you, but I don't memorize my friend's cars. Yeah. It's and Whitney's basically like, you know, did her life flash before her eyes or didn't it? Like, is she just using this to like skirt the Angie thing? Which, like, yeah, probably. I also think it probably was a scary situation. And I think, like, again, she's Whitney keeps being like, she does this to put us in this like terrible situation that is like that I where we can't do XYZ, but then you just proceed to do XYZ, you know what I mean. Yeah. You're but, will, you're more than willing to fall on the sword to look like the asshole. Sure, but I also understand why you'd be frustrated that you constantly, in order to have to make a point, have to look like an asshole. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> this part, Meredith goes, what I can tell you is this. When I got in that accident, I did see my life flash before my eyes. I thought I was going over a cliff. And then she just pauses. And my thought... That my last significant interaction was what it was that day. And then she pauses again. 
was incomprehensible. Totally. I, I'm sorry. If your life is flashing before your eyes, the party that you just came from is probably not the thing that's top on your mind. No. <laughs> I, I guarantee you that after the fact, you know, like maybe several hours after you the fact. You sat on it. You sat on it and said... Oh, you know what would have really sucked is if I died in that car accident and the last thing I... But in the moment, you couldn't have given a fuck about that fight you had three minutes beforehand. Yeah. You weren't giving a shit about that. You were caring about the fact that you weren't going to see your kids again, that you weren't going to see... Which are valid things to be upset about. Yeah, that's such a good point. I'm like, I'm glad that... I'm sure Brooks is really happy to hear that that was your first thought. (laughs) Like, Like, I'm so glad that the fight you had beforehand over this stupid rumor was so much more important for you to think about other than your child, your husband, your family, like all these things that should be more forefront in your mind than a fight. <laughs> and then Mary Lou goes, I can tell you this. I don't threaten people. I'm not hurting people. I'm not inflicting harm or even wishing ill towards anyone, including Angie. And we were like, that's not true. That's not true <laughs> at all. Literally no part of that sentence is true. <laughs> but Winnie just goes, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <For> what? <laughs> Oh, my God. So then, okay, so then we go to Angie's house, and she's having her dad over at the house to cook. I feel, I've, like I say every week, I feel bad that I've, I hate Angie, but I don't, that's, hate's a strong word. I don't hate Angie. I think she's so fucking staged. I, I think. I think she's just desperate, and I, I'm, I'm sad that she feels this desperate, and it's probably born out of the fact that we know that she didn't think she was yeah, a yeah, full yeah. housewife, but it's just like. Y'all did her a disservice by that and did us a disservice as the audience because you gave her, you gave us this desperate version of her. And it sounds so like nitpicky on my part, but it's like, it was like, she like is like cooking soup with her dad and she's just like narrating so, uh, so much that it feels like she's like doing a food network show kind of it, like it really did feel like that. It just didn't feel like a lived moment. Like, yeah. I like, was like, is Rachel Ray going to pop out of there somewhere? Like what's happening? Like we'll get to it later. But with the Monica thing with her mom at the end of the episode, it was like, okay, you guys like forgot the cameras were here. Like to a certain extent. Yeah. Like, which I prefer that actually. Yeah. Um, uh, Angie says that, you know, her and Sean haven't, you know, really gone on a date in a while. She asked her dad, did her mom, that do you guys ever go on dates? And he's like, you know, we were too poor even to go out. And she talks about how, her, you know, she didn't really know her mom that well because she died when she, her, Angie was very young. So she was like, I had to learn how to like be a wife on my own, et cetera. And all that stuff. Um, again, and again, there was a lot of like scene setting of like the, my marriage is hard because I don't really know. I can't balance being a mom and a wife. And it's like, I again, I don't know if that's the issue. Because then Sean arrives home. And this was weird, but also like, and Sean arrives home and goes, and Angie goes, we saved you enough. You want a bowl? And Sean goes, I'm going to go shower real quick. Angie then goes, I serve my dad. I should serve you too, right? And Sean either like doesn't hear her or like whatever. He just walks off to go to the shower and goes, take care, guys. And it's a moment of, like, awkwardness and, like, played up. But it's, like, I think, to me, I 
maybe it is dysfunction. Maybe that's the proof he's secretly gay. I don't know. But it's like, like Sean, like was just kind of like coming home from work and going to take a shower like a normal human being. Or coming home from a hookup, you know, whatever. Or maybe. <laughs> and he smells like man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Um, but Angie, I feel like Angie like, was so focused in being, like, it being a scene. Like, and making it look like, you know, we're, we're having this, like, like, you have to give me some banter, Sean. Like, it kind of yeah. gave me that vibe. And I'm like, why? Like, like, and we've seen it earlier in the season where she, like, answers questions for him. And, like, it's like, yeah, like, stop. It's not a bad moment. You just think it's a bad moment because you're so hypersensitive. Yeah. And maybe you're just hypersensitive because you don't know. You're worried about your, you know, balancing things. Or you're hypersensitive because the rumor is out that he's gay. I don't know. But like, like whether the rumor is true or not, I can understand why that would add stress, you know, yeah. to a situation and why you would feel like, well, great. Now, like every slightly perceived feminine thing from him is going to like lead into this rumor that's true or not doesn't matter. Yeah. Like I can understand that stress, you know, like. Sure. It's valid. Um, we then see Whitney's dinner with Mary at Provisions. Not the same Provisions from Roni, I don't think. <laughs> no, I, I would think, you know, that's a little bit of a far drive. <laughs> yeah. I think. It starts off great because Whitney goes, we missed you at Greek Easter. And Mary goes, I didn't miss it. <laughs> and Whitney has a smile on her face like, what did I expect? Like, this is, this is what the conversation is going to be. Yeah. Like, 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 well, but the thing is, is she knows she has to have this conversation, but felt, she knows that this conversation is going to be this. It felt like contractual. Like, yeah. it, was like <laughs> it felt very much like if I don't have this conversation, then the animosity is my fault. Yeah. But if I do have the conversation, I have to have the conversation. <laughs> and, if, and then if Mary's um, hatred for waitstaff wasn't uh, already a thing. Oh, my God. The waitress spills some of her plate or whatever. On, like, like, I don't think she got it on Mary. I think she got it on the table by her. But Mary was like, you know. It wasn't even on the table. It spilled into the into the dummy plate that yeah. they just set the table but with. it was towards mary so yes it, it was in mary's general vicinity <laughs> mary in her confessional why didn't she spill it on whitney that's a sign that i shouldn't be here tonight <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck she starts and goes whitney you better come with it you call this shot you better shoot your shot shoot your sh like <laughs> like what is she talking about <laughs> whitney goes i got caught up in a lot of bullshit in talking about you and i'm so sorry and then mary goes you severed our future. Severed it. And Whitney goes, but Mary, you have to own it too. And I'm like, oh, Whitney, no. Like, like if you're like, I do, it's not right for her to just like cower to, to Mary. Don't get me wrong. But the only way this was going to work is if she cowered to Mary. Well, but the thing is, is that she's absolutely right. Mary does need to own her part Correct. in it. But Mary's never going to. Mary, but I also understand why Whitney's like, I have to give her the opportunity to. And then she has to shoot it down and be awful. But then she didn't realize that she, Mary didn't even give her that opportunity. Like, yeah. like, it was just like, as soon as she said that, Mary was like, peace. Fucking yeah. done. It felt like the shortest fucking dinner on Housewives of all time. Like, I don't know if there's like a stopwatch like that someone can do, but it felt like it. It was like three. Like, I... She barely got her food and then, like, had the waiter put it in a, like, 
you can't box up your own meal, man. Apparently not. She was mad about having to do that at the the ski op, whatever the yeah, fuck. And she party. said, "Not again, <laughs> never again." Mary goes, "I have to own you talking about me." Whitney goes, "You sent me mean text messages that hurt my feelings." <laughs> I had a toothache. <laughs> no. <I'm- laughs> Mary goes. Mary. Mary goes, grow up, little girl. I'm done, okay? Have a good night. And, Mary, and Whitney goes, Mary, please don't do this. And Mary goes, watch me leave. <laughs> Whitney goes, I brought you here to take accountability. And Mary goes, well, you're not doing it. Goodbye. <laughs> Whitney says, you're upset because I'm asking you to do the same for the mean text messages. And Mary goes, I'm not sitting here for you to tell me what I need to work on when you sit there and call my husband and me predators. And we're like, stop bringing up the like stuff with your church. But Which, like you are a predator. <laughs> like, I mean, there's a document like we know, like you're a cult leader, ma'am. Like we get it. Yeah. Mary and her confessional. I can't believe Whitney is comparing my text messages to calling me a predator and my husband. You can't just say anything about people. That's not true and think that it's okay. Like someone's going to backhand you. Like, seriously, it might be me. <laughs> also, it's your husband is your grandfather and, like, step-grandfather. That, that's also an entire-ass predator. That's gross. Yeah. Ma'am. I mean, that alone makes him a predator. <laughs> that alone makes him a predator. And then you are also then a predator to your congregation. <laughs> Mary goes, have a good night. I'm going to take my food to go. And Whitney goes, you won't even have a conversation, Mary? And Mary goes, no, I'm not wasting my time on you. That's what you don't get. Wake up, bobblehead. <laughs> Mary, Mary then goes, enjoy your oysters. Slurp, slurp, slurp it up. It's <laughs> like, what the fuck is happening? Jeez. Whitney goes, Mary, this is gross. And I don't think this is how you want to leave it. Mary goes, I promise you, watch me walk out the door. And then just leaves. It's like, this was the, cr- like, again, I need someone to time these. Like, stop, like. Like, that was record time. It was like three minutes, <laughs> it felt like. Mary really just wants to check and wants out. Like, yeah. She's like, fuck this. Oh, my God. We then go to, uh, well, Jack's mission reveal party. But did you see, the, like, the lower third said, Lisa's mission reveal party in quotations? <laughs> no, I missed that. <laughs> so good. And I love that he's like, I just want liquid death and I want charcuterie. Meanwhile, we see this giant catering. She got, like, a whole cake with, like, like one of those, like, fancy, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, of course Lisa did that shit. <laughs> Lisa introduces everyone and as, as before Jack reads the letter. Lisa goes, with a show of hands, who knew Jack was going to go on a mission before us? <laughs> and then- the entire fucking world. Like, they they basically could have zoomed out and the entire city raised their hands and, and want. Like, it was hilariously embarrassing. Lisa's like, oh, my God, it's the whole room. Great. <laughs> like, she's like, bottom- she's clearly like, oh, this is fine. <laughs> Jack, Jack then reads his letter. Um, and it's, it says that he's going to Columbia. Lisa's reaction is like she, like, like she, Lisa Barlow, won an Oscar. Like, it's, it's like, it's like she was Taylor Swift winning any music award. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck are you doing? Where's Kanye to interrupt her? <laughs> but then this, then her confessional. Holy shit, this was problematic. I was like, girl, talk less. She goes, 
Oh my gosh, I can't believe he's going to Columbia. He'll probably be held up at gunpoint at least once or twice. My friend's son was just there. He was just held up at gunpoint like weekly. So he'd carry around like a few bucks in his pocket and hand it over. He's like, I see the gun. Here's the cash. But I mean, overall, it's thrilling. What? Let's, <laughs> I, 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 I do have to remember what Jen said about her donating to Tech Cruise. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> like, <Yeah>. fuck. <laughs> and we're on Watch What Happens Live being like, but I love Columbia. <laughs> it's like, oh, girl, like, stop. Um, okay. Buckle the fuck up. Okay. So now we go to Monica. Arriving. We don't see who she's going to dinner with, but we just see her walk in. And she just sits down at the table. And then we cut to Monica's mom at the other end of the table. And she's already crying. And I loved her just crying, like dabbing her tears. Monica uh, grabs away and goes, I'm sorry, can I get a straw? <laughs> it's Good on her. Like, if you know, like, manip- if you've ever had, like, a manipulative mother, like, uh-huh. I haven't. But, like, like, but it's, like, it was everything in the playbook. Like, all oh, yeah. at once at this dinner. Oh, yeah. And it's so crazy. She then starts and goes, I watched a movie about an older lady in Croatia who had issues with her mom. The mom died and they hadn't resolved their issues. And I don't want that to happen to us. I'm like, are you fucking serious right now? Like, it's so, like, again, every trick in the fucking playbook. You know, I might die. So you need to be nice to me fuck off like fuck off like oh i hate her (laughs) i i have no patience for her mother monica goes you wanted me to feel bad for you but when i was crying you didn't give a shit monica goes at angie's dinner you made me feel completely alone you picked everybody else's side you were apologizing for me to those people that you just met and then you expect me to sit here and feel bad for you that you're crying right now LD, because I, I, I'm just calling her LD for uh, easy sake. LD then goes, I am not asking you to feel bad for me. And she is pointing her finger in Monica's face and rubbernecking like, like. Sh- it's, it's, it's bad. And like, but it's like, goes from crying to like attitude immediate uh, it's and and also there's a couple times where like the waiter comes to like take their order and drops the crying it's so like i i've i've seen these tactics oh yeah like i i it's 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 so triggering in that regard yeah like where ugh. monica goes don't talk to me like this and ld goes i'm not gonna talk to you like some weak ass bitch either what <laughs> That is like it's literally that's her mother. Like I can't I, believe those words are coming out of her mouth. Yeah, I would have got up and left. Um, she and then she just keeps like seeing like, do you have an aspirin? Do you have an aspirin? Like she's looking through her back because she has a headache from her crying or whatever. I don't know. Um, Monica's mom goes, when you were in Palm Springs, you said that Angie was acting like a crazy person, and as her friend, you were trying to calm her down, pull her aside. I was trying to do that for you. Now, here's the thing. I saw some people being like, maybe there is, uh, it was actually um, Emily from She Speaks Bravo. She posted how it, 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 it is kind of interesting to think that what happened in Paul Springs with Monica and Angie could be learned behavior on Monica's part from her mother. Sure. Like, 
like that doesn't mean what, what like Monica's mom saying that here is not fucking manipulative and right. like not done from any like actual like backing but like and monica talks later that it is kind of like this generational thing that's like bleeding in and so like i did i do find that slightly interesting even though i was team monica in this monica goes i didn't get in angie's face face and humiliate her like that you don't know half of it but you instantly took her side i don't understand that i can't comprehend that that must have skipped a couple generations because i don't have that in me to apologize to someone i've never met before for my child yeah and it's like it's it's so like credit to Monica in this whole dynamic because she also I I feel like Monica is while she it gets aggressive in this fight no doubt like it's she's very clear headed in like knowing the tricks knowing oh, she's yeah. not going to be gaslit she's not going to be you know told that her feelings aren't shit like she knows she's handling this with a certain level of power and self respect yes. that I appreciate even though it may be confrontational. Yeah. And I think that's the thing. It's like you sometimes like we talked about it last week. Sometimes you have to put the confrontationality, like the worry about that to the fucking side. Well, yeah. And and I think that the way you take power back from these narcissists is you don't feed into them. Yeah. You call them on their bullshit and then you walk away. Yeah. And you no longer feed like you don't give them the reaction that they want. That's the thing. And that's what she's doing here. She wants, like, LD is finding any opportunity she can to get Monica to fold. Right. And, and Monica's not doing it. LD goes, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with this. And Monica goes, I know you tried crying. You tried yelling. And she goes, I didn't try crying. That was sincere. Don't be disrespectful. Don't mock my feelings. And Monica goes, like you did with me. Like, you literally laughed at my face in Angie's house when I was expressing my feelings to you. So, fuck you. Yep. LD goes, I don't care. I don't care. I'm so over it. Monica goes, I know you don't care. And LD goes, let me talk, motherfucker. Excuse the fuck out of me. And Monica goes, did you just call me a fucker? LD goes, motherfucker. I called you a motherfucker. Like, I believe, this is where, like, I believe Monica. Like, I, like, I know we are, like, people were like, I don't know because we're only getting Monica's side in the confessionals. Don't get me wrong. But the minute she says, she calls Monica a motherfucker here, like, I believe the phone conversation that that she thought she was offline for. I believe all that shit. Yep. Because she's proving it. Yeah. Well, and something about the way that um, you read back the lines uh, that LD had said in this argument reminded me a lot of Ramona. Very. It's very Ramona. Like it's that same tactics of the, I didn't, tr- I didn't try crying. Don't like that sounded very much like Ramona to me. Yeah. And maybe it's just cause we've been talking a lot about her this week, Yeah, yeah, yeah. but it just, the parallels there no, was, I, was very interesting. I to definitely me. see it. I definitely see it. <laughs> the waiter brings the guacamole over. And he goes, look at this pretty dessert. And Monica goes, that's not a dessert. That's guacamole. She goes, guacamole, whatever appetizer. <laughs> And starts, like, passive-aggressively eating in silence, which is another, like, sort of... Like, it was so triggering. I'm sorry. It was so triggering. Yeah, I... 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 I, I don't know how she sat there. Yeah. Because I would have gotten up several times already, um, and she just keeps sitting there and through it, and yeah. I, I don't understand. LD goes, 
we both have to be willing to be vulnerable with each other. And when you're ready, you can sit down and we can sit down and figure out where did this start? And Monica goes, uh, my childhood. The fact that LD is like twisting this, like she's the calm and collected and reasonable one. Right. And it's, it's it, only the status of her being a mother. It that's turns just, my stomach. That's all she has. Like, yeah. You know, and, and you, you, you talked about that last week, like the weaponization of that. Yeah. Like, yeah. She goes, all right, let's start there. And she just keeps looking for aspirin because so Monica goes, I'm not saying you're a bad mother. What I'm telling you is Easter at Angie's was reliving my abandonment as a child. And LD goes, I didn't abandon you. And Monica goes, yes, you did. And LD goes, or uh, Monica goes, it was so easy for you to leave me with those people and go live your life in New York. And LD goes, I had to start my new job. New York was far more expensive than I thought. And, and what we were saying before, we, we laid it out, right? It's, yeah. so, it's no excuse to not bring your child. It's so ridiculous. Yeah. That's your, like, the, the idea that people don't have, have the responsibility to, like, when you have a child, to, like, that is your life then. Like, yeah. that's, the, that's, the, that's the social contract that we have made. And I get it if I get it if you have like a six, seven, eight year old, what are you gonna do with them while you're she was twelve. Yeah. She could have stayed at a at a at a like even if you were in an efficiency that it's literally a one room apartment. Yeah. She could have stayed there by herself. There's, she would have been okay. There's no excuse. There's no excuse. Get her some coloring books, get her some books, get her a TV. She'd be fine. Yeah. LD goes, how do we move past this? You have trauma. And Monica goes, you have trauma. LD goes, what's my trauma? Monica goes, the way that your mother hated you and disliked you and was never there for you and abandoned you and your dad abandoned you. LD goes, I'm over it. And Monica goes, bullshit. You're not over it because you treat me the same way that you hate that your mother treated you. Yep. And it's like, so now we get the layout of like, Monica says her confessional, like, sort of layout of this, of that her grandmother never wanted a daughter, and so she took it out on Monica's mom, and that she said everything my mom did was a disappointment. My mom got pregnant. She became a member of the LDS church and left Catholicism. My mother moved out of Boston. My mother never got married. Like, it, and so, like, again, Monica actually is very clear-headed in terms of, like, yeah, accepting that, like, part of this is sort of, like, the, her, my mom's trauma yeah. Putting it out against me, it doesn't justify it. It doesn't make it right, but I can still have that, you know, I can still acknowledge that. Right. And that's, that's nice. Um, LD goes, Monica Darnell. And Monica goes, why are you calling me that? She goes, cause that's the name I gave you. Monica goes, you haven't called me Monica Darnell, Darnell in decades. LD goes, I'm sorry. I don't know what your fucking name is. You change it every fucking week. I I wanted to jump out of my fucking skin. It, it it felt so uncomfortable. Yeah. Like it it it's not the same but it felt like she was weaponizing it in the same way like a parent dead naming their trans child. Kinda. It felt the same even though that's not the same experience, right? It felt like LD was weaponizing that name change. In order to hurt her, or to try to in order claim to that, hurt Monica, or to try to claim that she's like deceitful, or that right. some personal like some attack on it, right? Like it was like some attack on her as a mother 
to change her name. And if you notice, like, Lisa and Angie, like, in the fights on, like, Twitter and stuff like that as the episodes are airing, they keep being like, well, what is your last name really? Who are you? Blah, blah, blah. They keep doing that. Oh, uh, that's... Yeah. I haven't seen that. That's nasty. I don't know if... I, maybe they don't know about this fight, but, like, I, I don't know. Monica says, you know why you call me that? Because that's how you treat me. You treat me like I'm still that little tiny girl that you can fucking shit on and leave here and get your dream job and go on your dates. I'll sit in the back of a trunk of a car while you make out with one of your fucking boy toys. And LD goes, that happened one time. Uh, The fact that it happened once is one too many. It's just like... Uh, I just mm. LD goes I'm sorry that I kissed a boy and Monica goes it has nothing to do with you kissing a guy it has to do with the situation that I was in while you were doing it and still right now you don't give a fuck and LD goes no I don't it's just that the like don't tell and like the idea that she like minutes before this was like we need to be vulnerable with each other and men things you don't want monica to be fucking vulnerable shut the fuck up anytime she expresses any form of her trauma this is how you fucking act and i guarantee you it's not exclusive to this dinner you've been doing it for a long motherfucking time yeah um monica says that she's dealt with emotional and mental abuse all of her life and that she all she can do right now is break the cycle when it comes to her kids like and yeah LD goes, what was I supposed to do, Monica? I want you to tell me. And Monica goes, are you looking at me for answers as to why you abandoned me? LD goes, you know what? Get over it. She goes, she goes, when do I get forgiven? And Monica goes, well, you just told me you don't feel bad. So not today. (laughs) And then LD goes, I'm hungry. And Monica goes, you should eat. And then there's just like awkward silence. As by the way, she's eating lobster enchiladas, which when she ordered that, you were like, ew. Like, number one, lobster does not go in enchiladas. You know what it was? But number two, you're in Utah. No, here's what it was. How are you getting lobster that is anywhere near fresh? Here's, but what it was is that they pulled, to pull the curtain back, production pays for the dinners. So she bought the most expensive shit on the fucking menu. That's yeah. what that was about. Yeah. She's like, I get a free fucking meal out of this. I'm buying the fucking top level. I I still want it to be yummy. Yeah. That's I don't, true. that, that just, I don't, there's nothing about the phrase lobster enchiladas that is anywhere in the realm of scrumptious. No. That just, that, that. Uh, like just the the phrase just like sends chills up my spine. Absolutely not. Yeah. Absolutely not. Like there is a lot of delicious Mexican um, fish dishes that would work, even if you were doing a white fish enchilada. That would have been great. Lobster? No, get the fuck out of there with that. Get out of here with that bullshit. That's some bougie-ass bullshit. I I can't. Uh, LD goes, we're lost. And Monica goes, all I care about is that this shit is now affecting my children, and that's where I draw the fucking line. The shit you do to me, you are doing to them now. When you take our vehicle, and LD goes, oh, so it's my fault? How it would... Like, I would love the logic of how that would be Monica's fault. Yeah. That you took their fucking car. Yeah. I would love to know that logic. Um, and then LD's like, you know, I don't have the tools to fix it. You know, we need therapy. Monica's like, 
And it's just like Monica's like, okay. And Monica says, I, I, you know, I need to get home to my kids and just walks off. Well, yeah. And the thing is, is I can understand why Monica's frustrated because LD suggests therapy because when Monica refuses, then, then Monica's Monica the bad looks guy. like the bad guy, right? But the reason Monica's ref- going to refuse it is because LD's not going to approach that in any sort of sincerity or authenticity. Right. So it's like, what's the fucking point? Why am I going to waste my time and my money to go to this therapist who's just going to try to both sides it when that's not what's happening here? Yeah. So fuck you. Fuck your manipulation of the situation. Peace out. Yeah. Go take your car note. Yeah. And that was the end of this episode. That was one of the most powerful scenes, like I said, I've seen in a long fucking time. Like, it yeah. was like, I, I got chills and like, it it, it, it was crazy so credit to monica for showing it like and and being that vulnerable in that regard of laying that all out there because that can't be easy yeah absolutely let's move on to something a little bit lighter and (laughs) talk about beverly hills a little bit lighter just maybe some divorces but it's fine (laughs) but but it's handled lighter i don't know it felt it felt so much different than salt lake that felt so heavy yeah no that's fair um we start with dorit who's setting up who's well no sorry she didn't set up a picnic with erica she got some group called dolce picnics to do like these like fancy picnic which I guess you can just pick a lot and like set up a picnic, I guess. Like, the, and the thing is, is this, it's just like this beautiful green park, and then it's like this beige bullshit. But like for two people, and it's so ornate, and like there's all these it's like, like flowers and like a table, like the whole tablescape. It was it was almost like it was setting up to be a Michelangelo painting or something. What are we doing? Recreating the Last Supper? Fuck off. In like near like a parking lot. It's like get like get a fucking gingham fucking blanket and a wicker basket. Like go the- to cafe, go to a cafe, you bougie bitch. Like <laughs> I I can't. This is so fucking like and they're in and they're in jackets because they're like it's cold out. It's like go to a fucking brunch. Like what the fuck are you doing? Go to Starbucks. <laughs> like I just I can't. I absolutely cannot. And the thing that also got me, I know, like it's not really material, but the ladies that came in and had set this up had their wardrobe purpose purple perfectly matched the color scheme of the tablescape and i was like i cannot with this this is like it's i can't i it was i mm, i had so many opinions (laughs) dorica's Erica, you know, I consider you a very dear friend, and I feel we needed a one-on-one. I think what was disappointing for me is you didn't lead with an apology. And Erica goes, I did the wrong thing. It popped in my head, and I sold it on the stage, and I had a great fallout. I apologize. I have to fix this with you. It's non-negotiable for me. And then, like, <laughs> it's non-negotiable for me, which is basically, like, Rin is gone, so I this, I can't. I, I have no allies. I'm not going through this season with like nobody. Well, I mean, she literally says that. I don't have a lot of friends left. Yeah. <laughs> but basically, I was friends with Diana and Rena, and they're both off the show now. So I guess I got to fix shit with you. And Darina Confessor goes, "Wow, where was this, Erica? The retreat? I'm blown away right now." As if, like, that therapy session where, like, she explained the concept of empathy to Erica was like the tri- like. Well, I've got it. (laughs) I've got it. (laughs) Like that meme with uh, 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 Lisa Kudrow. Lisa Kudrow. Dorit goes, you know how much I love my husband. 
We had a very difficult year. He had a lot of business in London, and it was the year that I needed him the most. And Erica goes, you need it protected. Um, Erica, her confessional goes, had I known PK and Dorit were in a rough spot, I would never have said what I said. I would have ruined somebody else's life. I mean, am I right? <laughs> like, fuck. Like, the thing is, is it was a messy question. I, I can't understand why Dorit is overly, like, somebody, ha- it's like, on fucking Big Brother. Why are you angry that I nominated you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, Somebody had to get nominated. You got nominated. Sorry. That's how this works. Yeah. And Dorit says that she definitely underestimated how much of a setback uh, this last incident had on her. And then she lays out that... Because we saw in like, the descriptions like ahead of the season that apparently she had gotten robbed again. And we were like, what? And then she goes on to describe it. That she had taken $10,000 out of the bank just for, you know, cash on hand or something. She said to buy Christmas gifts. She wanted to go to the store and buy Christmas gifts. So she went to the bank and took out $10,000 in cash instead of, I don't know, paying for the gifts on a card? I guess maybe she was trying to limit her spending, but dear God, $10,000 is the limit you're putting on your spending? Okay. Yeah, her, and then her handbag was in her shopping cart, and then it was just gone. And then the police apparently had discovered that she was being followed by three men. And she goes, that threw me right back into the throes of PTSD. I hate being the person that pokes holes in things, and I hate that what, the, why... This is the thing with housewives. But when you tell us these stories, it's like. Now, now I don't know if you weren't in on the first break in. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't, I don't think know. you're that dumb to read. I don't know. I think maybe she could be. <laughs> when that's the defense. <laughs> like. <laughs> like, I just. I, you, just use your debit card. Like, I don't understand. Yeah, it's like... uh, Erica then says, I want to work on repairing this friendship because I don't have many. I need to let go of being defensive and ready to claw everybody's eyes out. It's like, okay, good. Like, like, I am hopeful for how Erica's going to move throughout this season. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting. Yeah. Um, Sutton is FaceTiming Garcelle because they're planning uh, Crystal's birthday uh, in Vegas that they're organizing. Garcelle says, we want to celebrate. We want her to get the stick out of her ass. It's like, I was like, I, I mean, good on, I mean, they're friends clearly still, but Crystal has, can have a little bit of a stick up her ass. I can get yeah. that. Uh-huh. Um, and after she gets off the phone with Garcelle, we, Sutton meets with her matchmaker, Alessandra, uh, who's going to try to help her find a date, basically. Um, Sutton goes, the date naps are not working for me. I literally have a callus on my finger from swapping left so many times. It's like... <laughs> I I and I feel like here's the thing, Sutton. I think Sutton's a catch. Maybe I'm biased against her or for her because I am such a slutton for Sutton. Like I don't like. I do find it hard the fact that she's like you know I'm a one date wonder and I don't get you know many second dates with other people. I will say that she is quirky. Um, but I think it's a cute quirky. I, I agree. But I think that she is a cute kind of quirky that is more endearing to queer people. Maybe. Than straight men. Well, then marry a gay man. 
Honestly, she, she doesn't like. You know what I mean? Like she and she also. Well, actually, I think she said she's never going to get married again. I do. Either she said it or Garcelle said it on um, Watch What Happens Live. But she's probably not going to get married again, which actually makes sense. Yeah, like I don't think she needs that aspect. You know, but if you just need a companion, like gays are great companions. Gays are great companions. Um, she goes Sutton. Slide in our DMs. We will be your companions. <laughs> please, please do. We will be your arm gays. <laughs> Sutton goes, I think maybe I don't get asked on a second date because I can be slightly intimidating. My intellect is superior to the most. <laughs> so I was like, good. <laughs> she goes, I don't wear revealing things like slutty. And then, they, okay. And then they cut to her date that she had last season. I'm, I said this at the time and you're going to let me get this out because I know you disagree with me. Controversial fucking opinion. I thought the cat sweater was cute. And I actually thought it worked for Sutton. If you are to me, I feel like a first date is an introduction to somebody. So you need to be the most you representation of you when you go into that first date. And to me, that cute little fuzzy cat sweater made so much sense for Sutton and her personality. And that's why I liked it. Uh, sue me. Okay. So I'm not, I'm not going to sue you because I understand and agree with you. In what you're saying. Mm -hmm. But I also think you need to understand that that's coming on very strong. And you kind of need to get someone in the door first. And what what's happening is we're getting people to walk up to the door. And then the display is scaring them off. We need to get them to open the door and walk in and let the door close a little bit. So that when they turn around... They have to then open the door again to get out. And so that gives you time to, like, trap them. Like, <laughs> trap them. But, I mean. Not trap them like the traditional sense. But, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Like, you, you can't lay it all out there at the beginning. You should have a, um, a true representation of yourself. But it doesn't have to be an everything representation of yourself. You yeah. can tone it down a bit and maybe be a little bit more approachable. It's a first date. You don't want a trauma dump or you don't want to um, do like, you don't need to tell them everything about yourself as soon as you meet them. Yeah. So you maybe need to do your version of cute and sexy instead of, everybody else's version of cute and sexy, but it still needs to be something that is flirtatious and fun for a first date, not something that makes you look like an SNL character. <laughs> I mean, a cat sweater is a little bit like an SNL character. It's, it's very much a, um, what's the, uh, uh, one that was superstar. Oh, Mary Catherine Gallagher. It's a Mary Catherine Gallagher character, you know? Mm. And while I love Sutton, and I think that she's adorable and amazing, and I love her quirkiness, I think that that's a lot to present on the first date. So you maybe have to marry your normal stuff with maybe something that's a little bit more enticing or palatable for a first date and ease them into the quirk. Mm. I thought it looked good with her eyes. Moving on. It it was great color <laughs> for her eyes. I just thought it yeah. was maybe not 
advertising all of her best assets up front. Sure. Um, Alessandra uh, tells Sutton, you know, I'm a big believer in letting the man lead. And Sutton goes, well, that is not much I am. <laughs> that's not happening. And Sutton yeah. already laid that out. She's, no, no, that's fine. She's going to be the hero of her own story. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, we see Crystal going out to lunch with Rob and her brother Jeff, who's in town. Um, he apparently is a, chi- a pop, big pop star in China and yeah. like the Justin Bieber of China, basically. Yeah. So. Well, and we've met him before. Yes. I think he's appeared like once or twice. Yeah. Yeah. And we haven't gotten like, I mean, this is our first Crystal scene of the season. And we, yeah. like, I felt like she was kind of non-existent last episode. Um, and then she tells this story of a basically like, she feels like her brother is bl- like blames her for like um, his engagement breaking off because he was living in China with his um, fiance, and then the pandemic happened. They wanted him back in America, him um, Crystal and her mom, and basically he had to go, and she had uh, didn't have a passport or a visa, and so because of that, they essentially broke up, and that was like the cause of the break or the fight that led to their breakup, which. I feel like was a lot like on her, on the fiance's part. But I feel like also it's a lot. Why would you expect, why would you not just China handled the pandemic better than the U S did. Did it? Yeah. I guess. I mean, mm. sure. Okay. Yes. I mean like with the whole, it originated there. Yes. But like, as far as locking things down and being responsible about mask wearing and the eventual vaccines and all of that sort of stuff, like most of the Asian countries handled that a lot better than we did. So, well, yeah, in terms of masking and stuff like that, definitely, I would say. So I would think that survivability there would be a lot better than here. But I just don't get why that leads to such a fight like that to like someone you're about to get married to. I don't know. It seemed crazy. Well, if she can't go, then basically you're saying, well, until this pandemic is over, which at the beginning, we didn't know how long it was going to last. Yeah. I, yeah. Um, Crystal. And, and then also, uh, because J- Jeff wants to date again. She And Crystal goes, you know, you're exactly the age that I met you, Rob. And, and Jeff goes to Crystal and goes, if I brought home someone 20 years younger than me, would you be okay with that? And Crystal goes, okay. Um <laughs> And it is yeah. weird to think, like, the age difference with, like, Rob and Crystal. Uh, Rob, I like Rob, actually. I think he's a good house husband and, like, sort of, you know. I don't think he, like, takes advantage of Crystal by any means in terms of, like, a normal, like, age difference, like, yeah. comes into play. And Rob goes, if they were as smart and mature as Crystal was, you know, it would be fine. <laughs> How old was this? I mean, if he was... I think there's like a 20 year age difference. Well, yeah, and but how old was he when they met? Probably in his 40s, and she was maybe in her mid 20s, I want to say. Because she's only 39 now, right? Okay. Okay. Yeah, I'd say that's fine. Yeah. Um, so uh, we go to uh, Dorit's house where Kyle's picking her up uh, to go out to lunch, quote unquote. But Kyle says they're a professional. Dorit thinks we're going to lunch. We're not going to lunch. And then we cut and. PK has apparently organized this thing for her anniversary um, to take her to uh, this. Uh, I forgot. Oh God, the name was in the thing. Anyways, the, this, the Wilshire Hotel, I think. Yeah, the yeah, yeah the Wilshire. Um, and he's like, I'm taking on this like fancy like you know the thing, and we're gonna recreate the movie Pretty Woman. Kyle's like, okay, the one in which Julia Roberts is a is prostitute. A <laughs> like, like, huh? <laughs> like, 
Oh, God. P- but of course, PK, that's his thought. Um, they're driving in the car, though, and Dorit uh, turns to Kyle and goes, I've wanted to call you because I feel like something's going on with you. And Kyle goes, me? You do? Dorit goes, it feels like there's this heaviness. How are things with you and Mo? The, like, again, okay, I, I, like I said it last week, I'm going to just take this as face value and, like, even... But no, like, me and Merlin both kind of have a weird feeling that this feels, like, slightly staged. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, not even slightly. Um, no, very well, much staged. Um, but what I will say is Kyle does a better job in planning out a scene and making it seem like it could maybe possibly be a plausible just conversation out of nowhere yeah um then say sandoval and schwartz did oh for sure those were so (laughs) ham-fisted these are like is this a script i think a lot of people squinting at it a little bit it seems scripty ish i think a lot of people are taking things at face value this season which at least from what i've seen online like i will say dorit is better at faking the fake conversation than mauricio was sure the mauricio conversation felt much more heavy-handed than this one did. Yeah. Kyle's like, he's really stressed with work. And Dorit talks about how, you know, her and PK would, you know, go on double dates with Kyle and Mo. We would always be together. And, you know, as a couple, you know, we haven't been with them as a couple in a long time. Dorit says, have you any thought recently that you would not end up with Mo? And Kyle goes, what makes you think this? And Dorit goes, I mean, even just from Instagram, it just seems like you were spending a lot of time away from each other, which it's like, it was interesting that Dorit picked up the Instagram stuff, which was like where a lot of the fans like put the threads together of like, you know, eventually Kyle goes, I just feel like I need a little freedom and some space. And Dorit goes like specifically away from your husband. And Kyle goes just away from everything. Dorit then vocalizes and says, I feel like there's something you're not telling me. And it, that the, that line delivery seemed weird to me. Like, to be so blunt like that to Kyle. Yeah. Maybe they have that relationship. I don't know. Um, but Dorit says that she feels like she needs to respect her boundaries, even though she feels that, you know, what Kyle's saying is not true. And I was like, okay, so I see what's going to happen this season. Because Dorit just laid that out. And Sutton and Garcelle are going to be like, nope. Yeah. <laughs> you were yeah. like, too vague. Like, <laughs> it's gonna, very much going to be the vixen. <laughs> like, Nope. Too vague. We're talking about this in detail. Yeah. No, but I thought it was funny how that was the conversation they had. And then they go to the hotel. Yeah. They arrive at the, ho- at the Beverly Wilkshire and Dorit goes, you're scaring me, Kyle. Like, like freaking out about the whole, like, <laughs> this led to, I think, like the funniest moments of Dorit, like throughout this like hotel scene. We'll get to that though in a little bit. Um, Garcelle is arriving at Sutton's house, uh, as they're having a barbecue, <laughs> which, uh, 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 Sutton post made it, which she's more than willing to take credit for, which she has done before. Like yeah. when the Popeyes, I, she, yeah. Last season with the Popeyes, she had it in and then put it on regular plates and her and Garcelle had her, <laughs> it was great. So I love it. Done. Yeah. Also, I noted to you like the, the, I was so confused by this sweater that Sutton was wearing. This, like, green, like... It was like a vest. It was like a vest and a sweater. Yeah. It was like, like, I know that that's just the sweater. Like, it, it, like when you put sleeves on a vest, that's just the sweater. But there was, like, this ridge thing. Yeah. It was something. It was, like, three-dimensional. Like, it was odd. 
<laughs> um, Garcelle asked about like how the stuff with the matchmaker went and Sutton's like, I feel like it was hard on, I was hard on her. You know, this whole traditional male female thing is difficult for me. And then she lays on her confessional more about like the relationship with her husband. She mm-hmm. talked a little bit about last week and she's like, I was missing out on the good stuff. What do we do with the money? With the children? He was making the decisions and telling me what to do. And so, and so she was definitely in a very submissive role. And I think, yeah. I, I think it might also compound in how she interacts in the group. Mm-hmm. Like, I think, I think that's an element that's not really explored yet with Sutton of like, how does this manifest in her friendships? And also why she seems to like, especially like if you think back to how things were with the Erica thing, she was very timid at first and had to, to find her voice and had to find her voice in that. And I think that that's because of the way that things were with her, especially because she was in a very similar role yeah, yeah, as yeah. Erica was right. And the, I'm not going to get in control of any of the money. You have all the control over the, all and the it money. Makes, and, and it makes so much sense why she questioned Erica's story a lot. Of right. Like, you know, you're telling me you don't know what's in your LLC and like, all like, like she was like, I learned those lessons, bitch. Like, why is the fuck up? Like, what the yeah. fuck? But also, I feel like if that's the case, if that's where that was born from, then it. I f- would hope that she would have then gone. No, you need to find out all the information. Let's go dig. Let's go. Yeah. Because yeah. I think if she had come at it that way, it would have been better. It would have been a lot better for her and Erica. But I don't know if Erica was in a space to receive that. So I don't know that it would have mattered how she broached that. But the, remember, she did offer her money at one point to be right. like, if if you need to get out of this and you need and Erica and Tom's going to cut off the cards or whatever. Right. Like, here's a step. You know. So I think that yeah. I yeah. think there's elements to that. Sutton asked Garcelle how things are for her, and Gar- and you could tell Garcelle is just like can't like can't even get the words out about this whole Jack stuff. Ugh. She's like, I can't, I'm, but I can't believe I'm bursting into tears right now. She's like, I think Jack thinks I'm doing it all wrong, and I've never seen Garcelle cry like this. It was really sad. Yeah, like you know, and and I agree. And after more introspection, like I I I think what Jack's was saying he thought was in a healthy way. And I, I think to a certain extent it was. But, I think it was healthy for his age. But it's never going to be healthy when you're yeah. that statement to your mother. Like, it's yeah. just like, yeah. But at the same time, it's like, if your mom is fucking up, you need to be able to tell her. But yeah. I don't necessarily know that she was fucking up to the degree that he was letting on. Sure. And Garcelle's like, I'm more upset that I didn't pick up that Jax had these feelings. And that right. just makes me feel more absentee. And then like this. Right compounds in that regard Sutton goes you're a great mother also teenage boys are kind of assholes yeah <laughs> can I thought that was hilarious can I say well I don't know if it's like the the, the majority of people there was one stupid Fox Force 5 fan clearly like like clearly a Teddy fan maybe maybe Teddy in disguise I don't know who and I don't even remember their Twitter name. It's so innocuous. Who tweeted this this part of the scene and was like, "Oh, so when Eric, Erica disrespects Jax, you know, then it's all up in arms." But Sutton can call him an asshole. Shut the fuck up! Like you guys are. Like, that is a reach. That is the biggest reach. One is the drunken late, like ravings of a lunatic. The other is a mother commiserating with another mother. Who's also just broadly stating that teenage boys can be assholes. Not your son's a piece of shit. Yeah. So it's like, uh, y'all, y'all need to get right. I'm sorry. 
Garcelle uh, says, you know, he asked to go live with his dad and that hurt me a lot. Uh, and then Garcelle was like, I knew that it was coming from a place maybe of punishing me, but also trying to see how much he could get away with. And like that I think is interesting. And like, I didn't really think of it before um, of like the possible, like the testing, the boundaries thing, testing the boundaries and also like the dynamic with Garcelle and her ex and right. like what that relationship is like. Cause I don't think we've seen much of it. And like, yeah. You know, much of it has been, like, surface that we have seen. And the things that we have heard from Garcelle is that it's pretty toxic. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I haven't heard much. I really haven't. I'm not. Well, she said it a couple a couple times on the show how bad that relationship is. Yeah. Um, but, and it's, that's all we really know of that. But if it is like that, which I'm, I tend to believe Garcelle, then. I also then question how much of an influence their father has on their opinion of their mother. Right. Yeah. And that can be a struggle. And like we, I think we talked about it offline. Like I do also worry like with everything Jax went through last year. Right. With the bots and the like racist comments and all that stuff. And the Erica. I, I do worry that like, and the Diana allegedly. Um, I do worry like if he's like, either deep-seated like blaming garcelle for it yeah in a way like you put me on this platform and then this happened um yeah but i i I hope that's not the case but um we go back to the uh wilkshire kyle and dorit go to the room (laughs) dorit goes honey i i want to know i want you to know why couldn't you have gotten like the presidential suite (laughs) jesus christ uh kyle is like do you get any vibes from this room like from any like iconic movies and Dorit's like puzzled but then she figures it out oh PK you gotta be kidding me honey pretty woman they sat down for breakfast and he said I took the liberty of ordering everything on the menu I got a couple of pieces of fruit (laughs) (laughs) well and what I thought was funny is that when they were walking into the hotel room um Dorit said Kyle did you do this And, and I was like so the implication after that conversation in the car of I need to take a moment away from Mo to walking into a hotel room with your best friend where there's oh. roses. It was like, girl. Are you trying to tell me something? <laughs> Are you hinting at the Morgan thing before we even get there? Yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> Dorit's like, I need answers. And I'm getting frustrated. Who's taking care of the kids? I need air. And like, like I love getting like frazzled Dorit. And like, this felt like, again, this felt like old school Dorit in many ways. Where yeah. it's like, you know, she's just a mess. <laughs> yeah. Kyle's like laughing and like calling PK as Dorit's like freaking out. And we see her freaking out like with production. Like, like it's a little fourth wall breaky. PK in his confessional goes, Kyle enjoys when something potentially bad is happening to me. And when we talk about surprises and Kyle getting involved, maybe the biggest surprise would be if Mauricio actually did that for her. That would be a bigger surprise. I was like, I was gooped, gagged, and like all the things. It was. PK's a little shit. He's such a little shit. Like, (laughs) my jaw was on the floor. She calls, Dorit calls PK's phone, and Jagger and Phoenix pick up, and Jagger goes, Mama, we're involved. We know everything. You need to stop stressing. <laughs> that is that is clearly Dorit's child. <laughs> I love their kids. Their kids are so funny because they're so proper and like, like yeah. 
Um, Kyle talks about how Dorit's basically an admitted control freak. And so like, this is like her worst nightmare. Basically Dorit's stylist then arrives and they wheel in like this thing of red, different like red dresses. Cause they want to recreate the pretty woman thing with the white gloves and stuff like that, which I was like, okay. I mean, Dorit looked amazing. Don't get me wrong. Like, yeah. But it's just like, come on. She's like, you see, the thing is, I'm an actual designer and stylist, right? <laughs> I was like, oh, God, yeah, Beverly Beach. <laughs> She's a designer. And then she goes, Karina, do we have the Beverly Beach bronzer? <laughs> I need to look bronze. <laughs> and Kyle's just cracking up the fucking whole time. Dorit says, PK and I have always been big on surprising each other and big grand reveals. And then we see, like, the compilation of, like, all the different, like, the like PK surprising her with the car and, like, all this, you know, the, you know, the, um, the hookah lounge or whatever stuff that was in the backyard right. and all that stuff. And I was like, oh, this shit hits different, like, with all the news about, like, how that PK owes, like, a million dollars in back taxes. Yep. And, like, has, like, massive gambling debt and, like... Yep. Like, I I got to a point where I was just, like, y'all are faking way too hard. I don't know yeah. how you guys are... And, like, on... Again, on camera. And PK is all... Was all... Was so fucking... Um, with his nose above everything with the Tom stuff with Erica. Oh, yeah. And it's like, motherfucker, you're spending willy fucking nilly on, like, when you owe a million dollars... In back taxes. Yep. I, <laughs> the, that, that, uh, that nail is going to drop in the coffin real fucking quick. I feel with them. Oh yeah. It's been coming for a while. Like, remember that fucking lady who was like harassing Dorit at the, on that vacation going like, your husband owes me money. <laughs> and like, fucking, Oh, I forgot and, about like, that. Chasing her around the pool and stuff like that. It's like, why are we talking about that? Jeez, I forgot all about that shit. They are really prote- the production has really protected Dorit and PK a lot. I will say that because we are not talking about that enough. Um, Dorit meets PK at the bar. She like comes on stuff. She looks gorgeous, like I said. Uh, she, uh, I want to do this whole pretty woman thing because you're a pretty woman. I'm like, that's not what the movie's about, PK. <laughs> yeah. And then he does, like, the whole necklace box thing where, like, he, she puts her hand in and he, like, snaps it or whatever, like, in the movie. It's cute enough, but not worth five million fucking dollars. I just, I don't. But he says it's on loan. Who would give you a fucking loan when you owe a million dollars in back taxes? Well, they didn't know that at the time. Yeah. No, I mean, PK probably I'm knew, sorry, what, the... shell, what shell company did you? <laughs> right. Like I, I, and then they Who go. Who do they think is borrowing that necklace? <laughs> they go into their room where they have like the, all the flower pieces all set up and like stuff. And then they had PK flew in Berlin to perform "Take My Breath Away," which is not from Pretty Woman. <laughs> the the, the says from Top Gun, not Pretty Woman. And then I love that, like. They're dancing, and then P- did you notice PK whispers? That's actually Berlin. You know that, right? It's like, what are you? Who are you trying to impress? The cameras. It's like, uh, you could have gotten anyone to sing that song. You it's, could have played it off of an iPhone. Yeah, it's like fucking hell. Like, uh, I, there was that cute moment in the confessional where they're like, sort of like talking, and Dorit goes, because <laughs> uh, 
in the scene, like PK's pouring Dorita drink. Dorita goes, can you tell me my drink after 13 years? Go on. And PK goes, vodka tonic. And Dorita goes, fuck off. <laughs> it's a vodka soda. <laughs> Three lemons, carcass out. God damn it. Like, it was my whole even... storyline last season. <laughs> but it's not even just vodka. It's Belvedere. Belvedere, yes. It has to be Belvedere. In a short glass. Uh-huh. Um, Dorit goes, now, and they sit down to, like, eat caviar and whatever. And Dorit goes, now that you've done it, my love, I want you to relax. And PK goes, I'm relaxed. To be honest with you, I think I'm not going to bother with surprises anymore. I was like, why did you shift this? Like, you didn't, you didn't have to be the, I get you were annoyed by her, like, being, like, you know, calling and, like, being stressed or whatever. Don't ruin the moment. Like, what the like, fuck? Like, if you wanted to have this conversation, wait. Like, you could do this next episode. Yeah. She goes, it's not that I don't love surprises. You know, I'm a very detailed-oriented person. And PK goes, that's control. And it's like, sure, but it's also, again, if we tr- like if we are to believe her robberies, which, again, I was always inclined to believe that Dorit truly believed that she was robbed and PK set her up. But whatever. Which makes more sense, considering all the stuff that he owes. Well, and also the fact that he doesn't understand her PTSD. Right. You know, that's my thing. It's like, you know, Dorit goes, I don't like anyone to choose what I'm wearing. That's not like a fun surprise. And PK, this is in the confessional, and PK goes, but that's control, honey. And sometimes when your husband is taking control, you're going to let him do it. He's such a, like... Like, number one, that's like super misogynistic bullshit. But also, number two, if your wife is suffering from PTSD, literally a loss of control is the worst thing you can possibly do well, to he's, her. But he says in the scene, he says, I definitely struggle to understand the PTSD thing. That idea that you're not in control of what you're doing is a hard concept. Is it? Or are you just a dum-dum? Like, like, like PK's, PK is so... If you, people have uh, pointed out, I know she speaks probably has noted, like, he's made some stupid comments on social media and he's very, like... Yeah. But, like, thinks he knows everything and, yeah. like, you know... So it's like the idea that you can't visualize the concept of like how PTSD works. Like you understand that trauma comes from feeling helpless and feeling like there's nothing you can do to protect yourself or the people you love. That is that is like the root of, of the trauma. Right. And so then to remove control from her hands without her consent you you realize how that throws her back in that situation but the, so like it's it's the basis of any trauma yeah like almost all trauma in like as far as i can think boils down to the loss of control and it's really less about the loss of control and more about the loss of autonomy and at that point when you are then taking control from her without her express consent and then putting her in a situation where she has a loss of autonomy, a loss of choice, a loss of control. Do you not realize how that could maybe make her feel like she's back in that moment yeah. where she lost control, lost consent, lost. Like, I think, I think that's a great explanation, but I think that's too many words for people <laughs> to be on it. Too many big words. I guess. Um, we go to Kyle setting up for Porsche's 15th birthday party. Um, you know, and, and her and Mauricio are in the kitchen getting stuff ready and it's like weird and like there's, you know, weird tension. Uh, Kyle and her confessional goes, it feels like lately he's just been consumed with the agency and work. I think he's poured his heart and soul into the agency. So 
It's kind of the other woman. Such a weird fucking comment to make. I know it's interconfessional. I know I don't know when it was filmed, but it's like, what? I just, it really bugs me that, like, you realize that your movies are not what has paid for this lifestyle, right? Yeah, you were saying this. You you realize that the agency is what has paid for this gorgeous house, has paid for your children's colleges, has paid for all of those handbags that you got stolen from you and then replaced. Like, all of these wonderful, amazing things come from the agency. Like, I get that, yes, there is such a thing as work-life balance and that he absolutely should make time for you in your marriage. However, you don't get to celebrate all of the wealth and be mad at how you got it. Right. And I I feel like there's also some kind of undercover jealousy about him getting on the Netflix show. Yep. Like I, I, I it, she's never expressed like explicitly that. It's just a sense I feel that like now she now he's not the husband on your show. Right. Now he's has his own show. Right. Where, and and it's not as popular as Housewives. Don't get me wrong. No. But like it, he's kind of getting into his own vibe, and yeah. like I feel like there's a weird like like jealousy when it comes to that. It's just the sense I get. There's also that funny moment where Mauricio's like. Has the guacamole? He's like, you want me to put this in here? And Kyle's like, you need a spoon. And Mauricio just dumps it in the bowl. <laughs> the spoon. Yeah, it's like you don't need a spoon. You just dump it. It's called gravity. <laughs> um, guests start arriving, and then everyone starts grabbing food. And then Estella, who is Mauricio's mom, um, pulls Kyle to a side at one point. Goes, Kyle, is everything okay with you and Mauricio? Right. I mean, every time I open Google, it's like something about you guys separating. Like generally, I don't believe these things, but like it's getting too much. And so it's like, I, I didn't realize the headlines were going that quickly, but I guess yeah. I forgot about this photo because Estella, Estella goes, who started this? And Kyle goes, I mean, I was seen without my wedding ring and people started this rumor. And she was like, I was working out or whatever and took it off. And they just grabbed a photo with me. I was leaving and like, yeah. you know, you know, yeah. And she was like, yeah, I have issues with Mauricio, but like, this is like separate. Like, it's not, you know, whatever, which. I think it's harder now. I, 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 if this was before any of the, like the stuff preseason leading up that we knew about, I would almost believe Kyle with this. My yeah. issue comes when it's like the, like I said before, the flaunting of the Morgan stuff on social media yeah. makes me question everything now. Yeah. Well, it's I've I've talked about this before. I wish we could view this in a vacuum. Yeah. I wish we could view this without all the pre knowledge because, like, I just. If I was watching this, like, let's say six years from now, and I don't know any of the news stories that are happening at the same time. Right. And then you see all of the news stories flash on screen and that sort of thing. Then it's very a very different story, right? You're getting a presentation of all of this in time. But it's it's kind of frustrating to know the end of the story, or at least the middle to the end of the story that we know now. Right. When we're just starting the book, you know? Yeah. Like, I just stop spoiling all of this shit beforehand. <laughs> like, I want to be able to but like, it, see the show and enjoy the show. And that's not even on the show. Like, that's no, them yeah. playing in the media. Like, yeah. That's, that. like... 
I think they overplay like Kyle overplayed her hand to a certain regard in this yeah. thing. Well, and it makes us uninvested and it makes us like feel like it's all fake. And, and makes like, us I don't, question everything. Yeah. Like I don't give a shit about her story because I don't know if it's real. Yeah. Um, they all sit down for dinner. Uh, Alexia goes, oh my God, Farrah, look at your tattoo. And Farrah's like, it's not real. And then Kyle goes, she's testing it out. Unlike me. And then Mo kind of pulls a face like, oh God, like hopefully my mom didn't hear that. Kyle then whispers to Mo, do your parents know I have a tattoo and that you have one too? And Mauricia goes, no. And so like that's, that hap- like they have that little conversation. They have dinner, whatever. Everyone's sort of like commiserating around as they're going to leave. Kyle's like, Estella, I got to tell you something. You're not going to like it. And I'm like, okay. And she's got like a big smile on her face too. Like, Kyle, what are you doing? You know, that Kyle like mischievous smile. Kyle tells her, I got tattoos. And Estella's like, I'm okay. That's fine. Estella's like, you know, didn't you do a tattoo for Mauricio? And Kyle's like, no, that's like a jinx anyways. Which is a weird thing that I, I get what, yeah, yes, it is a jinx to like tattoo someone's name, people say. Yeah. But it's weird to say that when you're married for like 27 years or whatever. Yeah. Like you're like, do you think you're going to break up? Like, you know. Well. <laughs> well, apparently. Um, and then Estella goes, and I know that also the girls have one. And Kyle goes, do you know your son has one? And it has like a big smile on her face. Estella goes, I don't. And then Kyle goes, well, maybe he does. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. Like stupid, stupid, really it's fucking one, stupid. It's one thing to stir the pot when it's somebody else's pot. But when you're stirring in your own pot, like, girl, what are you doing? They're getting to, they're getting ready to light the cake. And then Kyle goes, and Mauricio comes up and Kyle goes, I told your mom you have a tattoo. And Mauricio goes, what is wrong with you? Like, what? Kyle's like, she doesn't care. And Mauricio goes, but still, like, why would I not be allowed to do that? Like, what's up with that? Yeah. That, and people were being like, oh, my God, they're fighting over tattoos. Like, this is 2023. It's not about the tattoos. Like, to me, like... it's a, Again, it's a removal of choice. It's a removal of his ability to be the one to tell. It's like outing someone. It's not to the same degree, but it's like outing someone. And it's just like you have a bond as a marriage. Right. Like, if, if I told you something, like, if there was something that I didn't want my parent to know about... And and I told you, like, no, they don't know about this. And then you went and told my parent about this. Yeah, that would be really fucked up. It's yeah. like, it's just a weird violation of trust. And it's yeah. like, and Kyle doesn't get that. She's the, she, Kyle always looks at things on a very surface level. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Kyle, like, goes up to Mo again being like, oh, she didn't care. And Mo's like, I don't want to talk about it right now. Like, I just don't want to talk about it. And he's, like, frustrated. And, yeah. So, but, yeah, fuck off, Kyle. Like, <laughs> it was fucking rude. Um, the ladies are getting ready to go to Vegas. Um, they're flying on Kyle's jet, uh, that she got them. Um, and Kyle got them all like monogrammed bags, uh, which were like the guest bags you were saying. They are so cute. I want one really bad and I, you know, would need to knock over a bank or something to get one, but yeah, they're, they're incredibly cute. I love them. They're going over the plans for everything when they're in Vegas. Erica's like, so when we go to magic, Mike, please wear pants. If you want to get on stage. Sutton goes, I have pants and panties. Is that Channing Tatum guy going to make it there? Like, excited. And so, like, this, we'll get, like, this is interesting. Sutton's like, yeah, I'm excited, you know, to go see Magic Mike. Like, very, like, you know, with the group on it. And, like, you know, hyped about it. I'm so, very confused. I need to see what happens. I guess we'll happens. see what happens next week. But I'm just, I have no clue. I'm so confused. Yeah. Erica says that she gave up fighting with them for Lent. 
<laughs> That's sweet. Can also Erica also says this as well in the confessional with that really go- that latex like pink with the like the, oh yeah the printed on like tie. I really love that look. On it's Erica. so cute. Yeah, it's a serve. Um, they all ride in these like red phantoms to the resort. Dorit, uh, Garcelle asked Dorit if she brought glam, and apparently Dorit didn't, which it's like. Which is weird because then Crystal says, but I did. <laughs> and Dorit's like, you did? <laughs> it's like, of any of them that wouldn't bring glam, I would think it would be Sutton and Crystal that yeah. didn't bring glam. It's crazy. They arrive at the resort and they have this separate, like, private palace, basically. It's listed as a palace. It's 1,500 square, or 15,000 square feet. We were like, fuck, this is cute. Like, and they have their, like, private, not just pool, but, like, private, like. Like, full terrace. It's like the Big Brother house, almost. Yeah, it's crazy. And, like, yeah, and any, you know it's rich when there's, like, a center, like, meeting room. Like, yeah. like you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, that's some rich shit. Um, Dorit and Kyle are rooming together. They're in the same bed. And Dorit's like, let the rumors start. And then they show the flashback to the whole, like when Kyle and Teddy were fighting, the, where Kyle going, goes, apparently I'm a lesbian. <laughs> good on uh, you, editors, because that was a good, that was a good grab. It was a good callback that's also a foreshadow. Yeah. Um, Sutton had her staff get there early to put all of her clothes up on the rack already. <laughs> and she didn't give Garcelle like any room in the closets. Uh, <laughs> serve. Um, and then Sutton pulls out like a hand, uh, like a wad of like ones. She's like, I got our ones. And Garcelle's like, I love it. Bring on magic. Mike and Sutton goes, we're going to find me a man tonight. And then it just like dramatically fades and goes, Four hours later, and we get the preview for next week, where Sutton loses her shit at Magic Mike, apparently, and I have no clue what's going It's so confusing, and I just, I, like I said, we'll have to see next week, because there... I can't imagine that it's just from what we saw. Yeah. So there has to be some inciting something, because I can't imagine that Sutton would be this excited for it going in and then from just what we saw lose her shit like that i am confused yeah it's uh, i'm gonna keep giving sutton the benefit of the doubt because she it doesn't make sense to me so i i i don't i worry it's gonna be hard for me to be a sutton next week i really am um but that was beverly hills for the week uh we're gonna take a quick commercial break and then when we come back we're talking the premiere of season six of real housewives of miami don't go anywhere Well, hello, friends. I'm your pal in the mainstream media. And, and I'm the Riz. And, and you know, Riz, it takes years of strenuous, dedicated training before you're worthy to step inside a professional wrestling ring. But it takes even more time to develop complex, highly astute opinions about professional wrestling. Am I right? That is correct. Yes. And you know where we can find that? Yes. On the Wrestling Man. That's right. I'm Eamon. I'm Merlin. And if you're anything like us, you live your life out loud. And when it comes to issues of discrimination, inequity, and outright bigotry, we use every platform we have to speak out against systems of oppression that perpetrate violence against marginalized groups. That's why we are so proud to wear designs from the Survivors Know merch store. 
Their team has created designs that feature unapologetic, empowering, and survivor-centered messaging that range from mild, like accountability is love and toxicity is not on the menu, to a little more spicy, like one of my favorites, fuck your laws, fuck your system, transformative justice now, which has a cute little happy flower on it. Each design is available on a variety of items from t-shirts and hoodies to bags, blankets, magnets, and even stickers. And as more items become available, the options will continue to grow. 100% of the proceeds go back into supporting the amazing work done at Survivors Know to support survivors, workers, and survivor advocates by organizing, challenging the status quo, and creating alternatives to the systems that fail us. Support Survivors Know by shopping today at SurvivorsKnow.Threadless.com. That's SurvivorsKnow.Threadless.com. Sidekick Media Services. We are your sidekick in business for social media, video production, and more. Find out more at SidekickMediaServices.com. Welcome back to Again is MB. Let's head on down to Florida where we have new yachts, new houses, and new horizons on the new season of Real Housewives of Miami. Yes, I'm so excited. Miami is back. Um, I, we've talked about it on last season when we were reviewing on the podcast how much we love Miami. And yeah. they, they are delivering. Like it, I, I was so impressed by everyone this episode. Like. Uh, amazing work there was no dud there was like everyone came with a job and a mission and like there were things that i was like they they put me on my toes at certain points in a way that was like really like surprising to me yeah and uh, we'll we'll start it off with the intro part so they do like the they do like this like dramatic sort of intro where it's just like the fading of everything that happened at the reunion about all the fights and like right. Alexia and Adriana and with Marisol and like all the you know all that intertwining and Nicole and Larsa and all that and Alexia says in her confessional after New York I wasn't really happy with how some of the things I said came across and there were a lot of things that I looked upon and didn't like what I saw and then, so we, and then we, they flash forward and get like a glimpse of her Nuevos Horizontes party or New Horizons party and talks about how, like, you know, this is our chance to figure things out because we know we all secretly really love each other. And then they cut to all the fighting in the, the scene, which is, <laughs> which is always great. I gotta say, I was really impressed by Alexia this episode. Yeah. Alex, this, and she had like, eight scenes in this episode it really kind of like became her episode yeah and it was really interesting to see her whether you know truly or not whatever like switch it up like yeah. i thought like it was so interesting to her to see that like i need to at least operate differently yeah than i did well and it's also interesting to note that this is they're basically coming back from Thailand right into this season. That's right. So she's also like had this time in Thailand with Marisol and all of the ladies and ultimate girls trip and, and had some she, issues with Marisol and had some issues with Marisol, but also learned a lot in, in Thailand. Like, I think we need to like honor the fact that like spending the time with Candace, especially and like, some of the girls there, like, really learned a lot about herself and about Marisol and about, you know, just relating to people. And I think coming back with that new mindset really is what laid the groundwork for this new season. Mm -hmm. It was, it was, 
it was unexpected in many regards. Like I wouldn't think Alexia as the person to pivot like, and to, you know, she is someone who is, you know, has a reputation of being very stuck in her ways. Yeah. And so that was so cool to see. Um, they go to, uh, one week prior to the party, uh, Alexia's on the beach with Todd hanging out. Uh, Alexia talks about again, like I've done a lot of self-reflection and even, you know, the video that you did apologizing to Anthony. And that I was, was like, so awkward. I forgot about that. Nine minutes. I forgot it was that long. Oh, and not just nine minutes, but it was like a hostage video that he's just like reading <laughs> off of a script. I am sorry that I insulted your business and blah, blah. I was like, Oh, he God. might as well have had a, uh, a copy of today's New York Times that was holding next to him or something. It was bad. Yeah, even Alexia and her was like, I wasn't aware that Todd was going to do that on social media. Uh, I probably wouldn't have advised him to do that so publicly, you know, even though I think thought he should apologize to Anthony. And Nicole even says it in her confession, like, it was really nice, you know, it was good, you know, good to, you know, and we accept the apology, obviously. I don't think he needed to do it like that publicly. <laughs> it was a lot. Larsa says in her confessional, I don't think I've given anyone a nine minute apology and I've done a lot of shitty things. Well, I'm glad that Larsa can acknowledge that. Um, Alexia tells Todd about the party. Todd goes, yeah, I mean, you know, if everyone's ready to move on, you'll see it in their behavior and everyone will have a good time. You know, it's your home. So you set the tone for how everything goes. Alexia like pauses and goes, I promise to do that. <laughs> like she's, she's like, yeah, I can be normal and calm and not confrontational, right? Like, that's possible. I'm making the choice now. And then Todd goes, let me know the time and the place and I'll show up. And Alexia's like, you better show up. Now watch you leave. You know, I need you there. Foreshadow. Fast forward to him not showing up to that party. It was like, oh my God. Um, we then go to that the, the yacht that you mentioned before. Uh, with Lisa and uh, Larsa on it, and they're double dating with Marcus and Lisa's new boyfriend, Jody. Can I just say, for being Michael Jordan's son, he, Marcus is short. He's very short. I mean, he's not actually short. He's no, a tall man. But, like... Not for Michael Jordan. For not for being Michael Jordan's son. Michael Jordan is, like, skyscraper tall. And this guy is, like, just average tall yeah you don't really get that sense from him like i wouldn't look at him and say oh that's michael jordan's kid yeah larsa jokes with lisa and goes i brought you good weather and a nice boat so next time you go on nicole's boat there's a big difference it's like oh my god like i will say this fucking yacht like i can't even say boat this is a yacht yeah <laughs> it's a mansion that floats it's, it's gorgeous the month like we said it before the money on this franchise is beating beverly hills at this point to yeah. be honest and it's dripping in opulence and yeah. i just oh you get real jealous watching yeah larsa uh talks about like her being with marcus she's like it was a friendship that evolved into more it wasn't like we like let, let's set the internet on fire and like get together it's like it wasn't just a friendship that started in more again. Also, I don't trust that that last bit isn't true because it's you. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. But she's not fake. We'll get to that. We know who you're friends with. Larsa says, I don't really focus on the haters. People are always mad. I don't care. It's like, I think you need to care a little more. Maybe a little bit. Um, the, the Lisa brings up, you know, it comes up in conversation that Lisa's like still kept her ring from Lenny. 
Um, and like Larson's like, you still kept it. Jody's like, yeah, I just don't like her wearing it. Lisa goes, but I did resize it to get it on my middle finger so I can just do this. <laughs> Which is fair that he doesn't like her wearing it, but also like. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like I did. That's a great trick for like petty, messy divorces is to resize the ring for the middle finger. That's a good, like that should be a thing. Yeah. Um, Lisa and Lenny are still not divorced. Um, Lisa's like, it's going to get uglier by the day because I'm contesting the prenup, which good. Yeah. Because I guarantee you that prenup was fucked up. Fuck Lenny. Um, Larsa uh, says, you know, Jody, do you ever get sick of this whole like Lenny conversation? And Jody goes, I mean, a lot. Yeah. But you know, what guy would I be if he, you know, I couldn't be supportive when, you know, your girl is going through something like that. I like him actually. I think Jody's a good match yeah. for Lisa. I think yeah. he's very chill. He seems genuinely loving. Like I think, and it's such a shift for Lisa. Yeah. Like, like I, you know, she's always with these guys that are peacocky. Yeah. And for her to pick someone that will let her be the peacock in the relationship. Does that make sense? Yeah. Let her be the one that's the showy one. Let her be the one that's out there. Like but she also seems calmer. Yeah. Like, like in her confessional, like something about her speaking voice in her confessional, she just feels more relaxed in a way. There, it's been a big shift for her. And I just, it looks good on her. Yeah. She says, I've been leaning on him a lot, you know, almost too much. He's someone who's also gone through a divorce before. So and I think that helps. That like helps he, a lot. You know, he, you can tell he has empathy for what she's going through. Lisa's like, he puts up with so much. I mean, I'm a lot. Like, am I a lot? And Jody goes, you're a lot of good stuff. And that was so... I that was, was like, the right response. Good job. He's, I like him. He's good. She, Lisa jokes her confession. goes, I tell him all the time, he's getting the worst of me right now. Like, you just wait, because if you like me now, you're going to love me when it's all said and done. Um, we then go to uh, Nicole and Anthony, who are looking to remodel the new house that they bought after selling theirs. Um which this house too, like 10,500 square feet, six bedrooms, six baths. There's a 15 car garage. They're right on the fucking bay. Like literally like pointed into the fucking, like, I just, God, they're fucking rich. Yeah. And then they were like looking through all these gorgeous rooms and going, we're going to tear all this out. And I'm like, what are you doing? You were like, leave it. I'll take it. Leave it. I will take it as is. Gorgeous. Stunning. Run some pine saw over the floors and we are good to go. Yeah. And Nicole tells, because the uh, producer asked about like the wedding now that she's proposed to. Um, and that they have a lot on their plate right now. So they're basically the wedding planning's like on the back burner. Also... Uh, at the time of recording this, we're recording this on a Thursday. Uh, Nicole announced on her Instagram that she's pregnant again. So, yeah, congratulations to her on that. Um, yeah, so like, I, I, I'm, I'm just really jealous of her life. <laughs> like, yeah, like, uh, and her husband's hot. Like, yes, fuck. very much so. Um, Gertie stops by um, the house to say hi, uh, and then she's talking with Nicole out on like the lawn. Nicole says, you know, I had a really good conversation with Larsa. Like, you know, we both kind of agreed that we said things that weren't so nice. I think it's going to be interesting because Larsa was also saying in interviews in the lead up to this, like on the week before uh, the premiere, that like her and Nicole are probably really good now this season. Like we're going to see a lot of their friendship. And I find that really interesting to see like yeah. how that's going to work out. Yeah, I, I'm excited for that. I'm excited for, I'm just excited for this whole season. The, the, Miami is just really good. Yeah, <laughs> Gertie says, you know, I'm. That's interesting because like I'm not in a good place with her now. 
And then we're cutting in between with that and Larsa talking to Lisa about it. And Larsa's like, I don't understand the Gertie thing. I've been nothing but nice to her. She said I'm the fakest. Is there anything you know about me that I'm fake? And Lisa's like, no, you say exactly what you feel. It's like, the you can be fake in other ways. ways. <laughs> like, like that's... Mm, Larsa. Larsa, you know you're fake. But of course, that's like, it's such a Larsa fight. Like, the, yeah. you call me fake? Oh my God, I'm not fake. Like, it's so like basic bitch. Like, it's so fucking funny. Gertie's like, look, I have bigger fish to freaking fry. Like, I'm so defocused right now. And then Gertie lays out to Nicole, like, what she's going through. She says, I got a, I got a phone call from my gynecologist. He says, it looks great, but we may need you to come in and do a biopsy. Um, and Nicole's like, you know, don't like, don't think of like the worst case scenario. It can be a multitude of things. Like, and cause Nicole's a doctor. And so she right. literally lays out all like the things. Um, yeah. So, and we're going to get, and we'll get to it later, obviously at the end of the episode, which I thought was like, I, it, it was so, it feels minimizing to say, but it was riveting, but like this, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm going to be crying a lot this season. I'm oh just, yeah. Cause I'm, you've got two characters that are going through, I uh, say characters, but. Like, Martina has got her double whammy of cancer that she's dealing with right well, now. Well, she she has recovered from, but is still, like, in the after effects of it. Oh, is she? Yeah, yeah, she's recovered fully. Well, I thought in the next episode they talk about how she missed uh, a recent appointment. No, for... I think that was, like, po- I think it's, like, post-treatment stuff. Like, you know how after, like... Oh, okay. Because you still have to kind of... And, and, well, we'll get to that scene now because it's the next scene. It's oh, Ju- okay. Julian yeah. and Martina at their house. But you have to have, like, post... Like, I don't know if she did specifically chemo or if it was, like... Yeah, it might be chemo, might be radiation some, or a combination. But, like, you, there is a diet that you kind of have to sort right. of abide by in many ways. Well, because it, like, takes you out and makes you to where you can't keep a lot of stuff down and there's a lot of things that you can't eat when you're going through that so i mean yeah yeah but we go to julia at her house with martina trying to put a diaper on a goat because of course it's fucking julia <laughs> there was just like, it cracked me up so much the the scene of the goat just shitting because in the kitchen because it was just like pellets it was just and it was like fucking, it was just there was something so comical about it like it was like it it was like one of those automatic cat food dispenser yes. things. <laughs> That's what it felt like. And I was, was like, like, oh, God, oh, God. And I was like, what is happening? <laughs> um, Julia says they have still, they, they put the adoption plans on hold um, Good. from last season. Um, and, and Martina, you know, has defeated both of her cancers. She's lost like 20 pounds, though, yeah. because of everything. Well, and like, she just, I mean, not to like overly comment on a woman's looks but she looks tired yeah it like, definitely she's took a been lot through her. a lot her hair is very thin like so i mean you can see the treatment on her yeah and it, it it's not wearing well julia says you know seeing martina go through cancer made me realize even more that nothing is given you have to live for today and just take it a day as it comes um, she also makes Martina this green smoothie that she puts in like a cocktail glass. Like yeah, a it's like a martini glass. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? It, it, it didn't look good. I, I don't like green smoothies generally, but like that was the wrong glass. Sorry. Well, like, look, like you can deal with all sorts of things when you're going through cancer, but you're still going to be bougie. And yeah. that, you know. So Julia then says that, you know, uh, that things are getting better with her and Alexia and that Alexia would check, like, 
during, I guess, the period between filming, like checked up on Martina a lot during her cancer diagnosis, made sure she was okay, et cetera. And that went a long way with Julia in terms of like realizing that, you know, she says like her actions showed me that she really wants to make things right. And I was like, good, good on Alexia. Because like that shows that it's not just, you know, I the cameras turn on and I'm switching. Like to, to make the point to like be there and, you know, check in and stuff like that, I think yeah. shows a lot actually. Yeah. Um, Martina's like talking about, you know, um, uh, <laughs> talking about saying and you just hear like as martina's talking and trying to eat going <laughs> and julia's trying to have a conversation martina's just like i can't hear you over the goats <laughs> goats i really i think i realized with this thing goats are the funniest animals <laughs> they they are hilarious i listened to another podcast um by the that's uh called house of hallowell it's the cast of yeah uh charmed that are you know doing a rewatch and doing a review and uh, Holly Marie Combs, who played Piper, uh, now raises goats. <laughs> and so she she will sometimes be, like, on the mic, like, with a goat with her. <laughs> and it's the most hilarious thing you have ever heard in your life. Go give them a listen. So good. Um, we go to Lisa's uh, house. I love that. I appreciate that she's still in the fucking mansion. She yes. didn't fucking leave. Good for her. Good for her. Um, and she's getting her makeup done because she's getting ready for a deposition, her first deposition. She, she says to Jody, have I been in a deposition before? Probably because Lenny has all these lawsuits. <laughs> but this is the first time I've done one about me. Yeah. Lisa's like, I don't know. These lawyers can be assholes and they ask you asshole questions to try to like mess you up. And I bet if, you know, this is Lenny we're talking about. So his, his asshole lawyers are probably real fucking assholes. Yeah. I can guarantee uh, and Lisa, you know, but talks about wanting, you know, wanting this fight and, you know, is fine if it goes to trial. Lisa's like, you know, how does he get to walk away living this beautiful life with all that we have built together? And yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, we then go to Alexia, Marisol and Kiki going out to brunch. Uh, Marisol's dress has, the, it's like one of those, like. Uh, those dresses you get on vacation or the shirts you get on vacation with like the body outlines or whatever. And she's it's like, yeah, I hate those. She's like, I got my titties out. <laughs> trying to compete with Kiki, which when Kiki walked in, I was like, God, I am miss fucking Kiki. Uh, they cheers to cockies and <laughs> Kiki's like many cocks to come. I love cocks. <laughs> <laughs> they have this weird, confusing conversation, like sex conversations. Alexi's like, I love that you're dating. And Kiki goes, I mean, I did stop for a while. Marisol goes, well, I know you were so horny. <laughs> Kiki's like, I had six vibrators. <laughs> you need like two or three at the same time. Like one here, one here. And she goes, one here, one here. And she puts them by her breasts. <laughs> like, I mean, I guess. It, or in her armpits, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I've not spent a lot of time thinking about the erogenous zones of women. No, um, that's kind of the point. Of <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of the point of being gay. Um, but, you know. <laughs> Alexia then makes a comment like, I mean, I don't care. Like, I'll stick my tongue somewhere. Like, in the ear. <laughs> what? <laughs> Alexia tells them again about, like, her self-reflection. She says, like, I'm holding myself accountable and responsible to get all the girls together for this party. And Kiki goes, is Adriana invited? Alexia's like, truthfully, I'm not really there with her yet. Um, Alexia says in her confessional, like, I was willing to give and kind of forgive and kind of forget what she had said. But then Adriana, after New York, started to go on a press tour. Like, I don't trust her. 
and we see the headlines from it. And I do remember, like, this was, like, immediate, like yeah. after Reunion, but before Reunion aired. And Adriana really kind of stuck her foot in her mouth in many regards in terms of that. I'm like, no, girl, no. Um, she also, like, was saying that, like, um, Alexia was, like, transphobic um, because of – there was a scene in the first season of the reboot where they go to Pride. Uh-huh. And she sees a drag queen, and she points to Todd and goes, oh, that's a man. And, like – I don't, and she didn't realize it was a trans woman doing drag. Right. Like, if you're not in the community, you may not realize that there are trans women who are drag queens. Like, you may think that it's all cis men. Yeah. Like, that's a mistake. I don't think that that was transphobic. That's that. Yeah. Yeah. Kiki's like, I don't know. Like, maybe it would be a good idea for, like, Adriana to be invited. And Marisol goes, I'm not open. So you can forget it. I'm super loyal, and when you break my trust, it is done. And Marisol's like, I'm not over, like, the stuff of her bringing up, like, how my boyfriend never loved me last year and the whole liver letter from the reunion, which, like, like, she did dig her hole with that. Yeah. But, again, this was also Marisol, like, in much of the way we said, like, Alexia is, like, changed a little bit, Marisol not changing and being very much, like, definitive, like, well, I don't like her, so I'm not, you know, I no, I'm putting my foot down. Yeah. Which we were annoyed by, like, to towards the tail end of that season where it was, like, you can't, you can't like, strong arm Adriana completely here. Yes, but, like, Adriana... Adriana's not one of those people who does a lot of sincere apologies. No. Because <laughs> um, she will... She will apologize in one breath and then do the liver letter at the reunion. Yeah. And then it's like, okay, so, like, which one is it? You know? So I can understand why Marisol's, like, at least until she gets something in person this season, I can understand why she's like, I'm not there yet. I think Marisol's feelings are valid. Right. Don't get me wrong. But I think that there is a my way or the highway vibe to Marisol that like right. is gets frustrating. Well, and it's also like, it's a party. Like you don't have to talk to her. Yeah. Like a, avoid her. Yeah. It's fine. There's like 20, 30 people there. Mm-hmm. Um, Lisa called Jody after the depositions done. She's like, you know, the reason we were here was to determine what is needed for this Leo you know, temporary support hearing, which like we're trying to avoid and not spend more money on like temporary support. Like it just feels like a delay tactic. She's well, yeah, like, basically he's trying to, He's trying to delay everything because the more delays, the more it costs her money. And if she can, like, if he can, like, outspend her. Right. Like, it's so it's so fucked up how that works. Yeah. Like, our, our justice system is fucked. I'm sorry. Yeah. There's no justice at our justice system. Um, Lenny, uh, <laughs> we also see Lenny calling Lisa during her confessional, which has, like, the amount of times he just, like, I guess times it wrong and, like, she's in the confessional so he, she can, like, expose his bullshit. She's like, yeah, can you please, like, Venmo me those things? Okay, but, like, can you just, like, do it? But you gotta, like, do it. And then he hangs up and he goes, and she goes, mm-hmm. <laughs> she's such a piece of shit she's the worst um we go to julia and alexia meeting up for lunch uh and and they uh they bond julia thanks her again for like reaching out when martina was sick um julia is like you know we now we can like you know we can giggle and gossip and then she goes did you hear what cardi b said about larza <laughs> And then they show the headline, <laughs> apparently, Cardi B, blast, Larza Pippen over claims that she had sex four times a day, dot, dot, dot. Bitch, stitch your pussy up. 
Uh, <laughs> Cardi B on Miami Whip. Oh my God, it's got to happen. Like, like it'd be so good. And then Alexia goes, "If Cardi B's not having sex four times a night, I don't think Larsa is." Literally that. Um, they joke that they make. They also joke that like it's really great to bond, like Julie and Alexia. It's great to bond without like Marisol or Adriana like over their shoulders, basically. Yeah. And and Alexia is kind of like, I'm just happy to get to know who Julia really is. I'm not going to blame Adriana, but I think she influenced her a little bit. And I and I would maybe agree, and then I would, but I would also say that Marisol probably did the same. Yeah. So you know, um, Alexia uh, invites her to the party, and Julia asks, "Are you inviting Adriana?" Alexia goes like, "I mean, I can't because like I'm inviting Marisol and Steve." And then I love Julia. I I was so proud of Julia this episode. Yeah. She really stepped it up. Julia's like, "I feel like I have to be transparent with you and say what I think. Whatever you decide, I respect." But look at it from the outside. You're calling it New Horizons, which is great, and one single girl is not invited. It's going to create a better taste in the mouth. And I understand Marisol is feeling uncomfortable, and maybe you feel pressure because you are great friends. Like, she really kind of, like, it was so helpful. Well, and it's like the eighth time this has happened on Housewives, right? Where it's supposed to be a new beginnings party or something but there's one person we're not inviting it's like okay i i was happy that finally somebody said it that's not what new beginnings is that's not how we do this yeah and it was so i loved it because it was like we saw throughout the episode alexia taking like steps one two three and four and then but like this from julia i think helped her leap over that last step which we see at the party yes uh, Julia uh, says in her confessional, I don't like that her best friend Marisol is putting her in this emotional blackmail to having to choose. It's like setting her up for failure. Yeah. I thought that was like setting her up for failure is such a interesting and accurate way to put Marisol and Alexia's relationship. Yeah. Because I think we said it a lot last season that I feel like Alexia had moments where she would have been willing to let things go if Marisol didn't like stick the knife in and like yeah. continue to like. Yeah. yeah. Can. Can I also just, as an aside, talk about how fucking good Julia looks this I season? love her new hair. That the, shorter the new hair, and she's doing something like, I don't know if she got like, uh, like a slight facelift or something, but her skin looks better mm-hmm. and healthier, and she just looks like she's in a much better place. Yeah. It's like, girl, did the old Supreme die or something? What's happening? <laughs> it's really good. Like, it's, it's, she looks good. She yeah. looks really good. Alexia tells her, like, you know, I just don't trust how it's going to go, and I don't want to have it in my home, you know, but I'll promise you, I'm going to have a conversation with her, just her and I, and then we cut to 24 hours later, and Alexia is waiting for Adriana for lunch, and Adriana fucking comes in, waving a giant fucking white flag. If there's anything that Adriana's going to do, it's pull a stunt and have a prop. She's like, I come in peace. And she's wearing also this like denim jumpsuit with like peace signs on it. And like weird cutouts. Like what's happening? And I, I love Alexia's like, what is that? <laughs> she has no idea what the white flag means. <laughs> she's like, why do you always have to show up with a prop? <laughs> they start to talking. Alexia's like, you know, I really want to make an effort. And, you know, we both said hurtful things to each other in New York. But then, like, after New York, you went on, like, a press tour to bash my family. And Adriana goes, after you posted the Instagram naming me. And, like, yeah, because uh, I remember Alexia, like, posted, like, a longer paragraph Instagram about the whole Frankie thing and, yeah. and et cetera. 
Alexia goes, was your injury authentic? And Adriana goes, yes, it was. And Alexia goes, you're going to compare a bruise with a permanent brain injury. And which I still, I'm still team Alexia on that, but I know like, I, I, I get both sides of it, but like, it's, it's the same thing from New York. Nobody is comparing uncle to mother. They're saying these are both alcoholics and this both, you know what I mean? So in this situation, she's not saying that the injuries are the same level of injury. She's saying that a mistake was made and an injury happened as a result of it. Right. And so was Adriana overreacting? Absolutely. But so was Alexia. Sure, to a certain extent. Like both of them are overreacting because they have reason to hold a grudge against the other person. Yeah. So they're just using the excuse, you know. Yeah. Alexia then says, though, like, when we, when you're in a good place, you know, you don't say the things that we have said to each other. And, and Adriana goes, I agree. You know, you sometimes were blamed for things that other people did, and you just kind of went with it. And and then she pauses. And like, you know, we're not going to talk about Marisol. It, you know, you were fighting people's battles. Yeah. Which I kind of agree with, like yeah. I said. Um, Alexia said that, you know, I wasn't, you know, she wasn't trying to make Adriana, you know, look bad with the whole bringing up the thing about her boyfriend being married and stuff like that last right. season and not scrolling to the bottom of the page. Um, you know, and Adriana says, you know, to, I didn't like how he treated you at that party, by the way. And, and Alexia goes, thank you. I helped you then because uh, they're broken up. And Adriana's like, I mean, in a way, yeah. <laughs> I, I will say that the not scrolling to the bottom of the page thing was iconic. Yeah. Like, I just, I, what? <laughs> Adriana uh, says, you know, when I hurt you inadvertently or not, it hurts me back. And I respect you, Alexia, and I'm sorry. And, and Alexia says, I'm sorry, too. And I was like... I also feel like Alexia's gotten so much better with apologies. Yeah. Like, that was her big thing. It was, like, she demanded perfect apologies from people but couldn't apologize herself. I mean, we said as much on this podcast, like, the whole thing with her and Nicole last season. Yeah, it was like, this conversation was way fucking healthier than I expected. Oh, yeah. Um, Alexia invites her to the party, and Alexia says to her confessional, like, I don't know how Marisol's going to feel about it, but, you know, I'll worry about that later. Crossfade and just says, later <laughs> two days later and and it's before the party and alexia's facetiming marisol um like before the party marisol also on the facetime she has like those like uh under ipads that uh-huh. are like the but the way like i don't know what because marisol's face also has a lot of work and she looked like an alien. <laughs> <It was> just, <laughs> well, part of it, though, is the lighting. And then she was also in the middle of getting glam done. And she was like, so, yeah, like she's going to look a little weird. Yeah. Alexia tells her that Adriana knows about the party. And Marisol's like, really? I already did my hair and makeup. I'm not in the mood. And, and Alexia's like, Marisol, I really need you to be here. Todd didn't want to be here tonight. And we were like, what the fuck? <laughs> and he's like... You know, he's like, oh, they were going to be talking about the video. And, you know, he didn't want to be the topic of conversation. And she's like, I really need you. And starts crying. Like, and like, eh. it, was like, it was like a really, like, crazy cry to me. And Marissa's like, no, you're going to ruin your beautiful makeup. No. Yeah, I have a feeling he's going to have to answer for skipping this party next week. I think that's... Todd, what are you doing? Like, like, yeah, like this is literally a party to mend fences. 
and you're not showing up. But the video was embarrassing, but it's not that bad. Like, it's not like, like you, at I least... feel like that was a bullshit excuse. Yeah. I don't know what it was. Like, um, Alexia is like, so Marisol, just please don't make it worse. And Marisol goes, maybe I'll show up. Maybe I won't. I don't know what to tell you. It's like, fuck off, Marisol. <laughs> like, um, uh, Julia and Adriana are in the car with Kiki driving to the party. And Kiki asks Adriana, like, how did the thing with Alexia go? fucking hell Adriana goes you know I'm happy we were able to move to this point but at the same time she judges me like I'm up here you're down there but what would Alexia be without Todd Todd's material things enable Alexia to feel like she's better than some of us because she's in a higher financial situation Julia is like trying Julia's like I mean, I don't know. Like, I'm not sure. Like, she was, you know, she before with her wealthy husband, and Adriana goes, he wasn't that wealthy. You could tell Julia's like, fucking hell, Adriana. I'm, I'm like, trying to help you so much, and you yeah. just won't, like, fucking. Yeah. Uh, she, it happened at the reunion, too, when she did the letter thing. Julia just being like, I don't think that was the right move. Like, <laughs> like fucking hell. Like, um, Kiki tell, but then Kiki tells them in the car, that at the brunch with Alexia, that Alexia and, and the brunch with Alexia and Marisol, that Alexia was willing to take baby steps that she said, but that Marisol said that if Adriana is invited, she's not coming. And so, yep. the, and so now Julia knows this. And so she goes in being like, let's fucking go. Like, you know, that's some bullshit. Um, Alexia's party starts, guests start arriving. Um, I love, I also love seeing Frankie again. Yeah. <laughs> Adriana being like, I love your shirt, Frankie. And Frankie going, Hey, you're sexy, mommy. (laughs) (laughs) He's so adorable. He's great. Uh, um, Adriana tells Jody, you brought me my mail because apparently Jody is living at Adriana's old house with her ex that she had with her ex-husband, Frederick, that we saw on the show. That's fun. (laughs) She's like, Lisa's probably looking up at the same ceiling. I used to say like, yes, honey, more, more. I didn't need that visual. I, I don't think Lisa needed that visual. Like, I don't need to know about my friends getting it done like that. Um, Larsa brings up how Gertie called her the fakest. And then she says it though, like, as Gertie walks in with Nicole. (laughs) Gertie hugs her and is like, hi, hi, and, like, hugs everyone. Larsa's like, wait, who's fake, me or you? Because that (laughs) seems real fake in her confession. (laughs) But it's like, guys, and Larsa, like, Gertie's just ignoring the situation, really. She's not even paying attention to it. She's like hugging, they're saying hi or whatever. And then at one point, Larsa has Marcus and she just goes, let's see what Gertie's talking about. And then she walks up and goes, wait, I'm confused. Why did you call me fake? Jesus Christ. Like in the middle of a conversation. Also, everyone just got there. Chill. Yeah. Gertie goes, because I felt like that you were being fake with me. The way that you were dismissive about me and talking about me. And Gertie brings up in her confessional, there was this couple things like her saying, like, you know, put a muzzle on it, Gertie, when, like, Gertie was talking with Lisa about, like, her divorce and stuff like that. And, like, kind of being dismissive at the reunion, which I can kind of see to a certain extent. Yeah. I don't think it's as serious as, you know, maybe Gertie felt it, but, you know. But also calling someone fake is such a low-level insult. Like, chill the fuck out. Yeah. Gertie says, the way you treat me is not friend-like. To me, it's fake. And Larsa goes, I've come to your events. I've supported you. you. I've never said anything on social media. I love that those are like the bars for Lisa for, or for Larsa of like, you know, <laughs> what a friend is. Well, yeah, because who showed her what a friend was? 
the Kim Kardashians. Kardashians. Yeah. yeah. So like, of course, Marisol already arrives and it goes immediately to a, to the bar. Cause of course, <laughs> and she's like, are they finding, I just got here. Alexia tells Gertie, like, look, Larsa never said anything about you. And Gertie goes, so she says, and Larsa goes, what is, so she says, what does that mean? <laughs> Gertie's like, you're getting aggressive. And at a certain point, Gertie's just like, I can't deal with this. I got to go. <laughs> I'm not about that life. And just walks off to the husband. Just be like, I can't deal with all that. Like, <laughs> uh, It was great. And she, and Larsa didn't know how to take it. She's just like, what the fuck? Um, Marisol says, hi. Um, Julia says in her confessional, I think Marisol is the problem in our group. She stirs the pot and creates chaos and then hides her hands. Which like, yeah, I agree with that. That's fair. Um, Marisol says, I don't want to be in the same room as Adriana. I'm doing all of this for bro. <laughs> I love that she just calls Alexia bro now. <laughs> Look, bro. <laughs> like, it's like, oh my God. So then I guess I'm assuming there was like a candle on one of the tables and it ca- catches like one of the like plant things on fire. Oh yeah. And it burns Nicole's Dior bag that she had just gotten, which was like $6,000. Jesus Christ. Like, how many times are we going to burn things on Housewives this year? Like, uh, like, like, that needs to be in the fucking union contracts whenever that fucking happens. <laughs> like, like no, fire safety. No flammable like, objects. Like, we caught that lady's hair on fire at Aaron's anniversary party vow renewal thing on Roni. And then there was another one somewhere. Oh, I forgot where. Oh, on, on OC in, in uh, Taylor's uh, uh, hotel yes. room. yes. So, it was like, can we stop catching shit on fire? It's too much. Um, Alexia welcomes everyone to the party and is like reading the notes off of her phone for the for her intro. And I love that she put like glasses on, like these like like they kind of look cute on her. I, I just thought of the, I, I could only think of the Nini meme. Okay, glasses. <laughs> um, Alexia. Oh, and this was so awkward. Alexia like thanks everyone for coming and what the party's about. She then goes. Everybody's wondering where's Todd, and so am I. And everyone's like silent, like confused. She goes, "Don't worry, we're not getting divorced." And everyone's, I wasn't thinking that, but now I am. And she's like, "Um, yeah." So like, it's not that. <laughs> she was like, "Fuck, I fucked that up." <laughs> uh, everyone's like, "What the fuck is happening?" Um, but now it just gets more people talking about why Todd's not there. Alexia mentions, you know, you know, he apologized to Anthony. Like, I don't want you to, you, Anthony, to feel uncomfortable that, and think that like, this is about you. And he, and Anthony's like, no, I mean, you know, it's much appreciated. I thought it was a stand up thing to do. I like, Anthony doesn't care. Like, I think at the end of the day, like, I always find it weird when someone's giving a speech to an entire room of people and then somehow that speech becomes a conversation. Mm. with one person that everyone's listening to awkwardly. It's like, we don't have to be privy to this. Like, we don't, we didn't need to, can we disperse? Yeah. What's, what's happening? <laughs> um, Alexia mentions wanting a fresh start and thanks them all for showing up. And she goes, thank you, Marisol, because I know it's difficult for you. And Marisol's like, <laughs> laughing. But then Julia just goes, actually surprised to see you here, Marisol. <laughs> Julia. No, I loved it. Oh, I loved it that she just was like, you know, first first party of the season, we're going to fucking start it with a bang. I guess. She's like, you didn't want to be here tonight. And Marisol goes, Alexia called me crying that Todd wasn't coming and said, I need you. Julia goes, I feel like I am here to heal my best friend, but you're here to harm your best friend. 
Marisol goes, I'm trying to harm Alexia. Alexia, please speak. And Alexia is silent. And Marisol was she like, silent or was she silent? So, so she was silent. And Alexia in her confessional goes, sometimes I feel like you have to fight your own battle. And I was like, I wanted to stand up and give her a, a, an ovation because I was like, good fucking on you. Like she was I like, actually wish she had, instead of being silent, I wish she had said, I understand that that might not be what you mean, but sometimes it is that way. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And instead challenged Marisol a little bit. That's true. I, I agree with that. But like, it was so like, it was jarring to Marisol. You could tell. Yeah. Because it was like, she was so used to the kind of toxic trend of like, if you, if someone fights with me, I can bring Alexia in and then it becomes Alexia's fight. Right. And Alexia- well, and I didn't like how, when Marisol said, when she said, Alexia, like say something, it was very much like, Handle my lightweight. Yeah. It was very like, wait, who are you? Like, why are you bossing people around? You're the friend of, ma'am. That's so true. Let's, you don't have a mojito. I saw a great tweet from uh, Ira Madison who was like, Marisol's real real opinionated about who can come to this party when she's not in the opening credits. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. What was your tagline? What, what, was, what was that? Uh, oh, you didn't have a tagline. Okay. Julia goes, you have this selfish attitude to put Alexia, your best friend, in this impossible situation where she had to choose. And Marisol goes, trust me, nobody controls Alexia. I'm especially not me. Which, like, but I think you do to a certain extent, like, inadvertently. Like, I don't think it's, like, a min- I don't even think Marisol means it when she does it. But I do think there's this, like, relationship that they have that is, yeah. like, like I said, toxic. Yeah. Well, it, it just seems like Alexia seems ready to grow. And Marisol's not there yet. Right. Yeah. Julia goes, you crawl back here when you've heard that we're all moving on. And Marisol goes, I don't need to crawl. This is my best friend's house. Um, and at this point, Anthony just gets up. He's like, no, I'm not here for that. It's like, and literally all the guys just get up and leave. And Alexia's <laughs> like, yeah, I get it. It's, uh, you know, let me show you Todd cigars. And like sends them off <laughs> into the cigar room. <laughs> Julie goes, you are a devious woman. And Gertie goes, stop it. Stop it. You guys thrive in this disgusting environment? Is that what you guys like? (laughs) Well, and also, like, just the fact that Gertie is the one getting upset here, like, knowing what she knows at this point. Like, it's just, it, it colors it very differently. It makes so much sense why she's on edge. Why she's like, why are you fighting over stupid shit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they, but, and, and so this is where we see things play out. Cause we don't really know at this point and right. like, you know, but it's just like Gertie's, you know, sort of being, you know, who she is at this party. The men are on the, on, uh, the balcony, like drinking and smoking cigars, but Gertie like detaches from the group at this point and goes on the balcony. And then Russell, her husband like goes to check on her and she's like, I just can't take like the stupid noise. Like I want to be out of here. And Russell goes like, you want to go? Let's go. And then like, hugs yeah. her. I think Russell's very, I, I think Russell's a really sweet husband. Yeah. And I think, well, and of course, Russell knows what's happening. Right. And that's like, and yeah. so he like pinpoints that and like notices and like goes to her to yeah. like, you know, fix it. And I thought that was sweet. Um, they're getting ready to leave. And Nicole is like, something seems wrong with you, Gertie. Like, what's up? She's like, oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. Um, but then Larsa is like, in, like, you know, comes up and she, she uh, Larsa's like, you know, I've been nothing but nice to you. We never had issues. And like, Larsa is still in like 
fight yeah. mode, obviously. Like, you know, she's Mike still, so yeah. it's like Well, and this this is so gut It feels right so here. it feels so real, like in the sense that like she's yeah. like, fuck the cameras, like whatever. Gertie like gets emotional and starts to like pull Lars to the side and she's crying. And she's like, Stop, stop, look at me. I'm gonna need you. And Lars is like, and I'm here for you. Like, when have I not been here for you? And she's like, Stop. Are you listening? Like, when I ask for you, be with me. And she's bawling. And everyone's, like, so confused. Like, what the fuck? Like, what is that? Like, <laughs> I love Lisa being like, why does she need her? Is everyone getting divorced? Like, I, I literally am, like, getting misty-eyed because it's like, this is a woman who is clearly going through a lot. And, like, she's reaching out to a friend and there's just all these cameras here and she's just not ready to put it out there yeah. yet. And I don't think she knew how she was going to handle it on. Yeah. How do you like, especially when you like start filming and this like gets dumped on your life. So then we find out. So they rewind to the day before the party. Yeah. And like, she's at like a park with Russell and like her kids and like the kids are playing. And apparently like she basically got the phone call at that point that like, you know, that the doctor came back and that, you know. Now it's invasive. And she's like, I don't even want to use the word cancer. Like, I, I can't yeah. even say it. And you could tell how wrecked she is. Like, it's, it's, uh And then they just cut right back into that scene of her pleading with Larsa. And it's, at that point, I, it's just, uh, it's gut-wrenching. It's really, like, I, I, uh, it, 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 this episode, like, and the way that it ended, it just like took me on like a fucking like emotional fucking roller coaster. And like, yeah. you know, I, 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 you know, and Gertie is such a champion. Like I've, you know, in the time in between like the season, obviously she's been like profiling, profiling like her journey with um, her breast cancer on like her social media and stuff like that. And she's just really brave and like just like so um, commendable in everything that she's showcasing and like and. Yeah, I I feel like this season's gonna be a, I'm I'm gonna be a fucking emotional wreck this season. I okay. really, I really am. I'm an emotional wreck just sitting here talking about it. Like I I oh man, it's gonna be rough. But we'll be here. <laughs> we'll be here reviewing it. All right, let's talk about tops and bottoms. We got a uh, lot to cover this week. We got Roni. We got uh, uh, Real Housewives. Can we talk about how there's a lot of these shows that we have the word Roni? That's a word. Yeah. And then some of them are Rosalk. 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 Real Housewives of uh, Salt Lake City. We got Beverly Hills and we got Miami. What are you thinking, babe? Uh, I will start with my bottom for this week. Um, I'm going to give it to Aaron on New York. I more than, I actually think Cy had enough moments of not, I mean, she doubled down just as much as Aaron did in certain moments, but like had enough like moments where she like broke and, mm-hmm. and like, like took accountability for some things. Right. And I, I don't like the way that Aaron maneuvered through like some yeah. of the stuff and like didn't really take accountability and her apologies were just like, not the apologies you would want. Like, it's just like. Uh, I think she needs to reorganize sort of how she operates when she, if she comes back next season. Cause it's like, uh, it was just really frustrating watching her at the reunion. Like, yeah. you know, there was no um, growth in terms of that. Um, my top for this week, I'm going to give it to Monica on Salt Lake. I think Monica is like, like she carried that fucking episode with that last scene. And oh yeah. Like, and she is just like laying, I, I give so much credit for them laying it all 
fucking out there. Not to bring her up again, but in a world where like Bethany Frankel is like making this whole deal about like, you know, it's not fair for them to show people at their worst or whatever. It's not fair to like show like, you know, Luann's, you know, arrest and like all this stuff and like blah, blah, blah. It's exploitative. It's, it really is one. I, I think this scene is helpful in many ways that Monica did because I think there's a lot of people who have similar relationships with their parents and, yeah. and, and can see that in them. And two, this, this scene was like the epitome of like what the point of fucking reality TV is and why it is compelling. And like, this is real people's real life trauma and real shit being yeah. put out there. And like, I commend Monica for doing that both from a standpoint that it was hard probably in many ways, but also from a standpoint of you're going to, you're giving us what we want out of this fucking show. Yeah. And, um, it's like, cause we were on the way to, uh, recording this podcast. We were listening to Las Culturistas and Matt Rogers was talking about this, the, the whole Vanity Fair thing and how, yeah, like, of course it's exploitative all forms of media are exploitative to a certain degree. Yeah. But that's the, the beauty of it is that we are all entering into this together. And Monica is showing us a real true part of her life that we can then relate to. Yeah. That helps us discover new parts of humanity and helps us discover um, new parts of relating to each other and connecting to each other, even to someone who I've never met. Right. You know, I can then have an emotional connection to this real human who's going through real tragedies in their life. Right. And I just, that's one of the things that I love about reality television is how much reality there is yeah. to it. Exactly. That's the point. Yeah. It's in the title. <laughs> yeah. It's literally in the title. What about you, babe? What are your tops and bottoms for the week? Well, to bounce off of your top, uh, my mod my bottom is going to be LD because fuck that bitch. Oh, fuck her. Like, I just, I, I know, I think I talked about her as my bottom last week too, but like it, it bears repeating. Fuck this bitch. Like number one, no one deserves to be treated like that by, by anyone. Okay, but then to also be treated like that by your mother, yeah, then to also be treated like that by your mother in a public restaurant, then also to be treated like that by your mother in a public restaurant on fucking international television, yeah, literally go fuck yourself, bitch, I like She's I the worst it's so absolutely bad. like I honestly. Feel like there's more space for redemption for a Sandoval than there is for LD. Hell yeah. Because fuck this bitch. Like, I I just, it's manipulative. It's evil. It is literally the epitome of narcissistic hatred towards your children. And I just don't understand it. I, I don't understand how you can bring someone into this world and then treat them like that. Yeah. Like I just, I don't, it doesn't compute to me. Um, I just, there's no world in which that makes sense. There's no world in which like that facet of humanity makes sense to me. Like I will never understand cruelty for cruelty's sake. Right. Um, 
my top for the week is going to be Alexia. Yeah. Because unlike LD, Alexia has decided that she wants to be a better person. And Alexia has started to realize those parts of herself that are incongruent with the person that she wants to be. Right. And she's actually started to grow from that. And I really um, look forward to that growth continuing. Like we, we saw her come off of last season and then go through ultimate girls trip and come back into this season as a different person. There is a clear transition through Thailand (laughs) into who she is now. And I just look forward to all the growth that she's going to continue to have. And like we saw her on Watch What Happens Live this week. She seems so much lighter. Oh, yeah. And so much happier. Like she was so bogged down last season. And I just, I really have high hopes for her journey this season and really seeing her grow as both a friend to these women and also a mother to Frankie and like all of those wonderful things. And really hopefully she, she grows into a woman that she can be proud of. Hey, thanks for tuning into this episode of a gay and his envy. Join us next time for more of our recaps and hot takes. And be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you are listening. And check us out on our social media at A Gay and His Envy on all the platforms. A special shout out to Shane Ivers who wrote Pulsar, the song we use for our theme. I'm Eamon. I'm Merlin. And And we're we're out. out. This show is a member of the Sorgatron Media Podcast Network. Find out more at sorgatronmedia.com.